405, Monday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Don't forget to check us out on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. No longer podcasting. The only place you can find us, a fifth viewer subscriber, directly at www.rockoftalk.chat. And you can also app us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And of course, here for a beautiful Monday afternoon, better than ever here, and uh, doing a little bit of uh, remote there with uh, D-Dowd Muska, the Dow 3000, and full effect here this afternoon. And lots to get to here on this uh, Monday afternoon edition. And uh, folks, uh, before we even get started, we've got so many things to cover here on this week, uh, not to mention what Super Bowl coming up on Sunday without terrific Tom Brady and the NFL continues to NFL. Uh, of course, you saw what happened yesterday with uh, the running back for New Orleans. Uh, we'll probably talk about that and more of the sports thing a little bit later on, less than a month away or a little bit more than a month away from the New Mexico United kickoff. Let's not forget that they're always talking about that. But in this edition, our third hour, if we're lucky, we'll get some crime, including that unbelievable video of the cops in Española back last May. And uh, if you have yet to watch that, folks, uh, that is something that you want to see. Maybe in preps for tomorrow's show, we might look at that. We'll get an update on Ben Ray and look at some of the crime throughout the rest of the state. Uh, second hour, uh, we'll go woke is broke. Uh, a little bit of the Republicans and the Democrats. And how about a little bit of Joe Rogan? What did I tell you less than a week ago? I think Joe Rogan was done. Well, we're finding out why. They're going into the annals of his last 12 years, and we're learning very quickly that Joe Rogan, boy, um, he's got a lot more to apologize for than just the stuff that he's happening with Dr. Malone. And I'm not even sure that uh, he, not only would he never make radio, he would have probably never been signed on had Spotify actually done its homework instead of spending $100 million to repair its issues. And of course, we always kick off every every Monday, seemingly, with hour number one having to do with COVID, D-Dowd Muska. And <laughs> <We do. laughs> uh, a, lot, uh, a lot there. COVID masking and vaccine, a little Mexico COVID lunacy, tyrannical teachers. Boy, they are as uh, demanding as ever. And of course, what about the children? The teachers don't care about the children in New Mexico. Dowd, how are you? I'm well. I had a great uh, restful weekend and actually got to talk to the folks back uh, at the orchard in New England for about an hour and a half uh, yesterday on Sunday. So uh, uh, rest and relaxation. My father, who will be turning 80, Eddie, uh, mm -hmm. later in this year, according to his latest reports, you want to know about outside physical labor, uh, clean living. My father said his numbers on blood sugar and cholesterol at age 79 are getting Better, not wow. worse. <laughs> well, maybe he's listening a little bit to the rocket talk. Is he doing oh, every some, day? Every day. Is he doing some <laughs> fasting of his own, Dowd? Uh, well, you know, during the harvest, you're working 19 hours a day, seven days a week, bringing that in. They just closed last weekend, sold off the last of the apples and cider. So I think it was, you know, Eddie, I, I'll say it again. I've said it before. When you, If you retire, and in New Mexico, everybody works for the government, you can retire at 58, and you sit on your fat, your increasingly fat derriere, and you just lose purpose and and work and focus mm -hmm. i think you're digging yourself an early grave my I folks agree. pushing 80 are healthy as hell and doing fine get out do the work and uh buy you some dirt great yes. little country yes. song uh, at, uh let's uh, delve into it shall we 550 50 500 if you want to call or text in uh here this afternoon right into the kiva and bill maher there on the uh, uh things sort of kicking things off and you know he's saying things that well we've already been saying for a very long time that the misinformation is directly from the medical information in industry. Let's not forget who pads their pocket, 
who gives them the money. He ripped the medical industry over its handling of the pandemic, arguing that a lot of COVID-19 misinformation has actually come from those who represent the science. So imagine that we're nearly three years in, a little bit uh, more than a month to go before we kick off year number three of COVID. And he states in his program, the same people who in private care always say get a second opinion want to only allow one in the public debate. Well, that's exactly it. This is what's happening as far as the censoring with Joe Rogan or censoring of us, uh, especially on YouTube and some of the stuff that we've run in. We've had so many of our podcasts uh, removed. Uh, let's not forget that as well, not to mention being banned from uh, Twitter and I believe Facebook for a long time at the very beginning, which is one of the reasons why we got off of Facebook. He states, yes, free speech has allowed people to hear misinformation and a lot of it was yours. That misinformation is now truth and people need to understand and acknowledge that. He went on to say, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about kids, wrong about you couldn't get it if you were vaccinated. Folks, this is a liberal. This is somebody who's been out in front of a lot of things. And as we referenced Johns Hopkins study last week, that information is data driven. So it's no longer about the science. We actually have the proof. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the data. And uh, according to some of the data um, and what uh, Bill Maher says, making kids who have a COVID survivability of 99.98% might even be higher than that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Mask up like bandits. Unfortunately, the thing is that getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. We'll touch upon that a little bit later on this hour, just how much is impacting them mentally right now. And let's not forget, folks, in terms of the preventive stuff that's going on, we need to really look at the... Uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, the therapeutics, those types of things that we have been suggesting since the very beginning. Folks, we know doctors. We know doctors who have been prescribing this thing. You can't prescribe it in either New Mexico and other blue states because they're taking it off the shelves. Over 60 million doses were actually taken off the shelves. And now the latest uh, study, a Japanese conglomerate, Studying the antiparasitic drug ivermectin has found that the medication had an antiviral effect on Omicron itself. COA Company LTD, a conglomerate which intent interest in trading hospitality and electronics, along with health and medical applications, issued a press release stating that ivermectin has been found to be effective against Omicron in vitro studies. It also said in the process of carrying out phase three clinical trials on the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19 patients, literally being used in other countries. And yet we've got people in the, the this country that are being banned entirely for even mentioning ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. It says ivermectin has been used by the WHO for over 30 years to treat parasitic infections. Volunteers have distributed the drug in African countries where it has been found to be extremely effective, which is, and this is directly from COA, where we also know as we've gone through this before is why hasn't, you know, COVID-19 spread in third world countries, particularly Latin America and Africa? Well, it's because this is widely distributed in those countries. So you're telling me that those drugs that are being used there are actually preventing COVID-19, yet we are prescribing two, three, and four shots uh, to our populations here. And in fact, let's just get into just how crazy it is that we're continuing to get into these vaccinations. Brand new study coming out on vaccinations right now. Professor Yakov Jareth, I'm glad he didn't say uh, Shmirnov, uh, no doubt. <laughs> yes, the yes. director of a coronavirus warden in the Israeli hospital said between 70 to 80% of the serious cases in his hospital 
are coming directly from vaccinated individuals. Remember, Israel is the most vaccinated place in the entire world. So the question now being posed is, are Israeli hospitals really overloaded with unvaccinated COVID patients? The answer is no. They say right now, most of our severe cases are from the vaccinated, they told Channel 13 News in, in uh, Israel. I didn't know they had Channel 13 News. But they had at least three injections between 70 and 80% of the serious cases are vaccinated. Remember, folks, Israel is the most vaccinated places right now in the world. The information is all there. And whether you're looking at the new deaths, new cases, hospital admissions, or the patients in the ICU, you are looking at the pandemic in Israel of the vaccinated. Here's what's happening here back in the States. One in three who isolated were never even contagious, according to that. Not only did you need to not get vaccinated, but if you didn't show any symptoms, Dowd, yes, there's no way you could actually be contagious. So there you go. This is a, this is an interesting uh, a look at this. This comes directly from the Telegraph in the UK out of the University of Oxford. Tell us more about it. Yeah, uh, this is an Oxford. Uh, it's led by Oxford University, and I think Eddie, they have some kind of internal think tank there. Uh, I think they call it the Center. Yeah, it's the Center for Evidence Based Medicine. And what what did we talk about almost in the in the initial months, Eddie, when we started getting this information about the PCR test? That's the most commonly used test as millions of New Mexicans are running out getting a test. Uh, I believe at one point the governor said, I, I have notes from one of her uh, one of those bogus dog and pony shows where she said, oh, even if you're a little concerned, go out and get tested. I mean, they were encouraging testing for people who didn't feel sick, who were maybe hypochondriacs, mm -hmm. uh, insane. The, the cycle threshold numbers, and we, we knew from the guy who invented the PCR test, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Uh, some of the conspiracy people think he was uh, taken care of before coronavirus. Regardless of how or why he died, he's not with us anymore. We know that at a certain level of what they call cycled thresholds, running these thresholds, it you're finding such minute evidence of this. And, and Dr. Yeadon, who's been right on so many things, we had Dr. Mm -hmm. Yeadon early. Right. He said, you know, after, and a lot of responsible voices said, if you have a positive test beyond 25, beyond 30, beyond 40 cycle thresholds, it's not really a meaningful test. So uh, again, this was the swab test. And they found, uh, they actually had to go to the, UK freedom of information uh, law over there, uh, they found that about one third of people who isolated probably didn't need to PCR, uh, the PCR test. Positivity means that you can tell people to isolate and ruin their lives, basically, even though in a large proportion of those cases, they are not infectious. It's absolute chaos. The whole regulation of these tests seems to be shambolic. Uh, one of the uh, I love that <laughs> word, by the way, shambolic. On the road to Shambhala, uh, another one of the researchers said uh, it's deeply worrying. And this is what I wrote in April of 2020. And he's echoing because I've studied public policy for 30 years, and I've seen the way politicians and regulators overreact. They 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 leap to law and regulation and control and lockdown without knowing the full story, and then the rest of us have to deal with the with with the unintended consequences. This is what the professor said. Uh, the problem is, is, the pan is the panic of the pandemic meant we developed policies at a speed we've never seen before, and we haven't looked at them to find out which ones are evidence-based. These policies uh, were poured concrete. Once they were laid down, quarantine, social distancing, masking, vaccine, they were the powers that be were never interested in any evidence that suggested that they ever could have been wrong. We've been living in that world for almost two years, and now we've got great research out of uh, you know that irresponsible uh, conspiracy uh, shack out in the middle of the Nevada desert. 
Oxford University in the UK. It's probably 800 years old, that university, um, <laughs> that, that the PCR tests show that the cycle, threshold, the cycle thresholds suggested that, that way too many people were locking themselves down and, and, and terrorizing themselves based on findings that didn't suggest that they were sick or that they were symptomatic. Eddie, you and I have been on day one we were into this. It's pretty incredible. And, you know, right back, even within what he said, it's so interesting, evidence-based, right? We're making all these very quick judgments and policies on evidence-based. One of the things that we know, we haven't looked at them to find out which are evidence-based. We don't have any evidence except for the evidence that we're actually getting right now. Yep. The idea yep. was to do nothing until we actually were able to aggregate the actual data that was coming in. You can't aggregate the data unless you aggregate it over time. Let's not forget the fact that you've got vaccines that develop over you know three to five years right out, generally speaking, and yet we're accelerating the uh, the vaccination uh, development. It's something that even Donald Trump should have known ahead of time. You know, he wants to come back and jump in acting like he's recommending the vaccines. You know, we are finding out right now that those who did not recommend the vaccines, who didn't mandate it, really have, you know, taken the real leadership role here in this country. And people like Ron DeSantis and other leaders who are out there, uh, people like Dr. Malone, people like Dr. Yeadon, we knew that this was going to be a bad thing and they were able to see the forest from the trees. And that's the type of leadership we need going forward. Right now, we understand that these technocrats, whether it was Burks and Fauci and the like, can never lead this country again. We cannot follow these guys into the deep nether regions, into vaccine shutdown and making every bad policy that happens to be out there. Um, if Bill Maher's out absolutely right. Um, unfortunately, it's taken him two, two years. I'm sure if we go back into the annals of his his history and his show, we find that, you know, all the Republicans are a death cult yep, yep, or that yep. they wanted the wrong things or ran crazy. Yes. Yeah. Or ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Don't ever use that because it is for farm animals or that, you know, the serious COVID cases are all from the unvaccinated. All of these are just complete and total misinformation that we're finding out right now. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of see through all of this. And unfortunately, many of our policy guys guys, like people who are supposed to lead us right from the very beginning, including President Trump, did not. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. Well, on this day in, oh, by the way, University of Oxford, 1096 Dowd. Oh, I was uh, off a little. Yeah, you were off just a little bit. Uh, a thousand the way, years. Yeah, literally a thousand years. It's, uh, wow. uh, it's a little bit less than a thousand years, about 930 years, but uh, pretty incredible um, nonetheless. On this day in music, back in 1964, it was Pan Am Flight 101, greeted by over 5,000 Beatles fans as it arrived at New York's JFK Airport. And I'm sure everybody has that as one of the seminal points in our own history, bringing the Beatles to the U.S. for the very first time and causing a riotous scene as they touched down. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here. First segment, uh, uh, second segment up next. We got three full hours here on this uh, wonderful Monday afternoon. Thanks for listening to AM1600 KIVABQ.FM, Rock of Talk. Dot com. When we return, we're going to kind of cover more of the coronavirus and talk about the New Mexico COVID lunacy next. Oh, you got to love the Bee Gees. Great group. Yep. Back on uh, this day, Robin, Maurice, and Barry of the Bee Gees returned to the UK after living in Australia for nine years. That was three years after the first time that the uh, Beatles, four years, excuse me, three years after the Beatles touched down in the United States for the very first time uh, on this day. And uh, 550-5500 if you want to text in this afternoon. So all the craziness that's going on everywhere else, uh, again, that shambolic or what did you say? Shambola? 
Shambolic, yes. Shambolic, <laughs> just a great word. That's a great word to characterize what we've been doing here in the state of New Mexico because it's complete and total New Mexico COVID lunacy. And this happened, uh, I guess, over the weekend in Las Cruces. Uh, pretty incredible. So New Mexico State University police officers arrested a 50-year-old woman who they say refused to wear a mask while attending Thursday night's basketball game. Now, remember, this is after they shut down all the concessions. They punished people and forced them to do all this stuff. This is not going to be good for recruiting. Folks across Arizona, across Texas, across Utah, uh, throughout Colorado, let's not forget Nevada, and even in California right now, people are able to go and come as they pleased out. Uh, they don't need to do any of this. And here in, in New Mexico State University, I think there's a population roughly of about 100,000 people, probably one of the most sparsely populated towns, college towns anywhere, major college towns in the country. And you're arresting people who refuse to go ahead and wear their mask. According to the uh, report, New Mexico State University spokesman said officers had asked the woman several times to put on the mask. She didn't do it. So Deborah actually, 50-year-old Deborah actually, is going to get misdemeanor charges of trespassing and resisting an officer for not wearing a mask. This is, might be unprecedented and a first of its uh, first of its kind here in the state of New Mexico. There were 21 total mask violations, folks, including Deborah, who didn't want to put her freaking mask on, according to police. The state of New Mexico has a public health order that requires individuals to wear masks indoors, says Justin Bannister. The university is bound by statute to enforce those rules. Maybe they want to look past the borders of the state of New Mexico to try to realize what the heck is going on. So people not only were getting arrested, or, or excuse me, getting charged for misdemeanors on that. Also, there was people, because they weren't serving concessions, sneaking in food and drinks down. This is absolutely crazy. So here you go. Um, but what are they doing over at the New Mexico State University? Well, Allen Theaters, which is a locally owned uh, theater chain in the state of New Mexico, is decided to go ahead and having fans go watch the game for free in Las Cruces at various places. Nobody can actually get concessions. They're probably not going to enforce masks uh, at all. I mean, this state has gone completely and totally nutty. And if that isn't enough, and think about this, the Baton Death March, yeah? Uh, that's going to be done virtually this year, folks. This is absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's out in the open, uh, this uh, real-world support, the uh, ongoing battle against COVID-19 pandemic. You think those people who would have marched in the Death March originally would have been like that even thinking anything about COVID-19. Uh, according to the press release issued last Wednesday, they say the safety and the care of our participants is as important to us as remember the special group of heroes that this event stands to honor. So there we go. Probably the most heroic, one of the most bravest moments uh, in our country's history. And we're ceding, well, you know, not to the enemy, but of course to COVID-19 doubt. Uh, the, the irony isn't lost on me. No, and you're absolutely right. Uh, we're not made of the stuff that the men who survived the Batan, and of course, some men did not survive the Batan Death March. Eddie, I know some vets in the state, and this is a major event for, this is kind of a sacred event for so many veterans, and not just in New Mexico, they come from other states as well. And uh, this is a, every time we think we can hit a new low in New Mexico, Rona hysteria, uh, we, we we find we can go even lower. And uh, it just it's just sad, just sad. Well, we didn't have NFL over the weekend except for the Pro Bowl where they're playing two-hand touch. I don't know if you happen to catch any of that. But, oh, wow. oh yeah, they, they don't tackle each other. 
you get the best of the best and you put them all in their uniforms and you watch them basically touch each other with two hands. I'm like, no wonder I've never watched this. Program. Has this <laughs> always been going on? Well, wow. uh, it, that's not the wimpiest or the, um, uh, I don't know, I guess you could say the wimpiest thing about the NFL because as we've been talking in recent weeks and I think you and I actually watched the NFL championship games, AFC, NFC on the very mm -hmm. same day. Because the Super Bowl is never anything to write home about. Let's be yeah, frank. Yeah. I mean, it's not something. It's always the, it's all about the commercials. <laughs> exactly. And in this particular case, it's those commercials that have been driving you and I completely up the wall. But not just us. I think everybody had it out there. Um, the actual uh, ad buy is drawing a lot of criticism. And the Santa Fe New Mexican decided to go ahead and write it up. According to the uh, information, and let's not forget, remember the message, hospitals are full. People are really sick and has a woman, you know, she's got her hands and her, her, her head and her hands. And you're the one who's causing all this pain. Get tested. Get vaccinated. Get boosted. Please help our healthcare workers. Tell me about this criticism, Doug. Yeah, uh, actual journalism committed by the Santa Fe New Mexican. Uh, we have we, we have examples uh, from that newspaper, Eddie, uh, particularly their editor when he's writing of of uh, I would say posterior uh, smooching uh, when it comes to politics. But this is amazing. Uh, I mean, and they they as you said, I mean, they take down the text. Hospitals are full. People are really sick. Get get tested. Get vaccinated. Apparently, fifty million. Let me get this right. Fifty million dollars advertising and other communications has gone uh, to push the the fear porn so a, a significant chunk of this has gone to real time solutions and dr mm. disgrace loves real time solutions they're, oh, they're yeah, doing wonderful wonderful thing but um and this is interesting because i'm glad they brought this to my attention this report slipped through my fingers the sole source contracting that the firms like real time solutions that are getting some a lot of that federal money because we know New Mexico, they're going to spend every federal dollar. That has soared. The sole source contracting, not sending things out to bid, that has soared in light of the uh, so-called pan pandemic. Some of us would call it a panic-demic. Others would call it, call it a planned-demic. But, I mean, you're talking about big, 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 big amounts of money. And even real-time solutions, I guess, contracted out to a Texas firm some uh, of that work. And you've got the, these people in this article Eddie, like the, the New Mexico chapter of the American Advertising Federation talking about national accolades and they've done, you know, such a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it, it just mystifying to me. What really set me off was the New Mexico Hospital Association, their flack uh, is defending all this money being spent on fear porn and, and how she responded was, well, what is the cost of misinformation? Uh, her answer, <laughs> lives, hospital resources, societal division and exhausted healthcare workers. Um, as Bill Maher of all, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, as no. Bill Maher said earlier in our show that most of the misinformation has been coming from people like this woman who works for the hospital association. So, uh, it, it's another example of all the funny money that's been printed and uh, sent, sent on, I guess it's rewarded some of the recording people, the graphics people to, to scare us. But, uh, I, I think there's a real concern and, and maybe moving forward, more journalists will get interested in this. Whose politicians, you know, brothers-in-law got the contracts to spread all of what I would call the government misinformation? So that's a lot of money, $50 million. And what actually is that issue now is how did this all get allocated? And how did all this money get spent without the legislature being involved? Oh, I think we found out. There's no procurement issues with spending any of this money. Basically, the governor can spend as much money as she wants to. 
And according to uh, the legislature, this has been concerned about procurement for quite a while. And advertising for a long time has been exempt from the procurement code. So, folks, this is basically a waste of $50 million of misinformation to go ahead and strike that fear porn to you into every and if and those ad buys are expensive how do i know well remember i was running for mayor i know how expensive each one of those commercials every time you see one of those 30 second commercials channel four charges i don't know thirty six hundred dollars for 30 seconds i think we we're looking at during the nfl playoffs the, the, this isn't uh, the height of august okay right. where everybody's checked out <laughs> yeah it's, it's probably even more than that and they're running all the time so think about how your government is spending their money and they're spending that money ramming that message down your throat and there is no checks no balances and real-time solutions they're probably making I don't know, uh, money hand over fist. They're making so much money, they don't even need to hold on to all of it, and they can give it to other firms to help them out with the buys from out of state. Uh, well, and also well the, the 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 excuse. I love the excuse. You know, our beloved Nora Meyer Sackett, the chief flack. I think is our friend Trip no longer with the, uh, with the no, governor. He he, uh, he checked out for mental health issues, as did uh, Mrs. Barretta, so who just right. And then he said week. he might be sweeping floors at a subway or something. He had some kind of line about Any, that. Anything he could do at this point. Uh, no more six funny. figures in in the roundhouse. That's so she right. said this was a uh, once in a lifetime pandemic. That's how she justified sole source contracting. Which again, uh, you know, <laughs> necessity is the is the siren call of the tyrant, ladies and gentlemen. And they they just try to gloss it all over by saying we're, we 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 were dealing with an emergency. So all the old rules can be just tossed out. Uh, some of us don't agree with that policy. And as soon as you continue to accept it, and will continue to accept it, they don't have to give you any other explanation uh, whatsoever. And here's what's happening right now: is they are continuing to test and test and test because they hope that you're looking at those numbers every single day. E, oh my gosh, there's another 4,000 people that were infected today. It's getting scary out there. Meanwhile, nobody else's cares. Nobody else around our surrounding neighboring states is even looking at any of this stuff. Folks, we have created our own mental health crisis because we've stepped up the onus on ourselves to go ahead and get every single person tested and vaxxed. And here's what's happening in Podunk, New Mexico. And I'm not saying Podunk, I'm just saying, hey, rural New Mexico, that's the way those Democrats think of us. So they sent home 30,000 eye health at home rapid tests from the New Mexico Department of Health, right? Well, in Otero County, okay, let's just see how, remember, this is uh, where Coy Griffin is and, uh, you know, all those crazy Trumpers are at, right? Otero County is less than 50% of people fully vaccinated. It is. It is. That, that's our country there, Dowd. I got to tell you, those are, <laughs> those those are people our people. Down there. <laughs> yeah, the CDC and prevention considers someone fully vaccinated, by the way, two weeks, two weeks after they've been given a single dose shot or a second shot. Folks, they're not listening in Otero County. The five counties with the highest percentage, and this, this has been lie after lie after lie coming from Dr. Scrace, the Albuquerque Journal, Santa Fe, New Mexican. Five counties with the highest percentage of the population fully vaccinated. Los Alamos County, what, 98, 99%? Lie, 75%, folks. Taos County at 73%. Santa Fe, nearing 70% at 72. Rio Reba? Hey, where do, we don't trust the government. No way, bro. Get that needle out of my arm. I'll stick two of those other needles in me before I stick me a COVID needle. Rhea Reba at 67% and Sandoval at 66 Folks, we are nowhere close to the number that Michelle Lujan Grisham and the Democrats have been releasing here in the state of New Mexico. 
we are not hearing the message that $50 million is looking like it's more and more of a waste out because it's having a nominal effect on this. But, you know, they do whatever they can in terms of, you know, the complicit, um, um, complicity, if you will, uh, to go ahead and, and push it on communities that maybe aren't getting the full information. And one of those places is in American Indian communities and indigenous communities. Well, according to the UNM newsroom, they say those indigenous communities are leading the way when it comes to COVID-19 vaccination rates. Do you want to hear what it is out on the uh, reservation? Well, it'd be really nice to have those actual numbers, but we don't. They can't track those numbers either. But somehow part of their propaganda is that the indigenous uh, communities doubt are leading the way. COVID-19 has had a disproportionate impact on racial and ethnic minorities. Well, is it because they're having vaccinations or they're not having vaccinations? Folks, we don't know. The information isn't there and there's no way to actually tell what's happening. But if those are the five leading communities, I would tell you that the indigenous communities aren't leading the way either at this point. Yeah, Eddie, point. this uh, I mean, th this work, uh, they're touting this work by a visiting scholar at the political science department, uh, Raymond Foxworth and Gabriel Sanchez, the mm -hmm. director of the UNM Center for Social Policy. If I were at Native American uh, blood, which I, I doubt I do because I'm Irish and, and Scandinavian <laughs> slow, but, I, but, I, but I, I've never taken the, the spit in the cup test, so maybe, maybe I do. Hey. Eddie, I, I mean, you've read this. This is the most condescending, yes. paternalistic. This is everything that's wrong about tribal policy in America and about the academic community's interaction with, with tribal entities in America, uh, overcoming significant challenges. American Indian and Alaska Native communities enacted a swift, innovative, inclusive, and community-driven approach to rolling out the vaccination. Um, there's nothing in this release that cites any statistics. That it's exactly. just a whole bunch Not of one. vague compliments about how right. wonderful it is. And what I love, Eddie, is multiple times they talk about how horrible the, the, the non-existent help from the federal government was in the early days of the pandemic. What does that mean? That means when Donald Trump was president, everything got better when our guy got into office. Uh, they, they take multiple shots at the, the federal response in the early days. And of mm -hmm. course, they talk about the history of colonization. They mention uh, colonialism and colonization uh, multiple times. This is uh, the fact that this could be counted as any kind of an academic product. It's condescending paternalistic. Uh, it, it, th th there's nothing in here that explores the way that certainly younger and healthier people in tribal lands did not need to be vaccina vaccinated any more than than the non-tribal younger and healthier, healthy people needed to be vaccinated. Uh, it is as, uh, as vile as it gets. And something that just bugs me living out here in the Southwest, where we have such a big First Nations, First Peoples, tribal Pueblo, whatever your, your preferred term, <laughs> is the just the pathetic Silver-haired ponytail, uh, tail. Uh, turn up your nose. Look down on these people, and in, in, as as the expression goes, damning with faint expectations. Uh, you know, this was just another attack by Washington on these people, and you know they have to respond to these centuries of, of colonialism, and of course, towing the entire. COVID narrative uh, about, you know, racism and bigotry and uh, the evil Trump administration. They, they cite no specifics. It doesn't look like any actual research went into this. It was just, oh, our tribal communities pulled together and Donald Trump is so evil. And worst of all, folks, you paid for this. This came out of UNM. 
Yeah, I like all about anything uh, comes out of UNM. Bad policy, restrictive measures, uh, loss of more than 5,000 students over the last couple of years, and uh, nobody going to the University of New Mexico basketball games either, despite the fact that, hey, they did win over the weekend, big win at the Air Force Academy. Well, and, and how, many people, uh, how many people in the Pueblos were terrorized the way non-Pueblo living people? You know, if you were really interested in doing, doing cutting-edge research, you could actually go into these communities and see how destructive those policies were to mental health, to breaking social bonds, shutting down events. Uh, I, I, I haven't. I happen to think that people who live in the Pueblos and the reservations are like the rest of us. They're social people. They like to be around friends and family and go to sporting events. Real research from UNM would have been balancing whatever alleged benefit came from the official policies against how much damage was caused by that. That would be what universities are all about, Eddie, what they used to be about, pursuing truth no matter how convenient or inconvenient it is. Well, let's not forget who Gabriel Sanchez is. Um, uh, Gabriel Sanchez is oftentimes talking about uh, some of the, you know, elections and, and things like that. So, you know, for him to go ahead and pair up with a healthcare guy and actually try to get stats or information, this is this is completely and totally political. Gabe Sanchez is um, uh, generally the one that is talking about the elections and the way that they're looking up. He's the, he's the face of that. You'll find him on the face of the University of New Mexico uh, Political Science Department. He gets interviewed by 4, 7, and 13. Um, he's the one that uh, is is continually being interviewed for healthcare policy as well. So he's the face of all things politics uh, coming from the largest institution in the state of New Mexico. So I'm not surprised to see this uh, with the political angle. But this is, and, you know, I'm sad to say, uh, Dow, that this guy is a graduate of uh, my alma mater in high school, unfortunately. No. And that's St. Yep, Pius X High School. There wow. you go. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, if you really cared about Native communities as an academic, you would have gone into Native communities and assessed the, the entirety of the policy response to this. And frankly, Eddie, the idea that, you know, they protected their people and they were resilient. Uh, don't I, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but boy, there were a lot of deaths in these communities uh, from or with COVID. So I'm not I'm not sure how successful these were, even in attacking what they were supposed to be attacking. Never mind the unintended consequences. This is an embarrassment and uh, all the more maddening that that we subsidized it. Well, uh, I think even worse. Out, I found another little wrinkle in uh, Gabriel Sanchez's background and his. Uh, and his uh, pairing up here is he's actually the director for social uh, policy at the University of New Mexico. And uh, he didn't exactly go to a top-notch school. He went to St. Mary's University for his poli-sci uh, in San Antonio. And that's not exactly the, uh, and that's where he got his BA. Nothing else is actually noted from him. And uh, he is a social justice warrior in a suit. And uh, there's more of that uh, where that came from. 550, 50, 500. That's 550, 50, 500. Politics being politics. When we return, uh, we will talk about our kids. What about the children uh, going forward? Also, we'll give a tip of the hat to, I guess, uh, uh, Joe Monahan. He's been listening. I guess I was written up over the weekend, Dowd. Uh, I guess I'm no longer a Trump supporter. No, I didn't say I'm no longer a Trump supporter. I said I'm supporting Ron DeSantis or somebody different because he did get one thing right, that uh, Trump has too much baggage. Uh, on the way out, by the way, I should all let you know that on this day, back in 1969, it was Albuquerque's own Jim Morrison uh, who was arrested for drunk driving and driving with no license in Los Angeles, California. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM,
And we're back here in the Kiva AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM. A little pinball wizard. That's a funny song. I don't care who you are. Back in 69, recorded officially at Morgan Student uh, Studios in London, England. It's one of the band's most famous live songs uh, as well, but it's really funny. You got a, you know, the dumb, duff, and blind kid. Sure played some mean pinball. <laughs> it's, it's one of my uh, one favorites. One of their best. It actually is one of their best uh, and one of the most requested, uh, certainly at that, and probably because uh, so many people were laughing uh, at the lyrics. Uh, oh, okay, so let's get into the kids. Um, yeah, we might as well be dumb, duff, uh, dumb, deaf, and blind and playing pinball at this point because these kids can't do anything. Um, and they're staying home. Um, they are having huge mental health issues uh, as well. Let's go back to some of the socialist countries first, the well-developed socialist countries, uh, if you will. Um, that'd be Sweden, okay? And what are they doing with the young kids? They are against pushing vaccines for kids ages 5 to 11. They decided against recommending all COVID vaccines for kids aged 5 through 11. That's according to the health agency for, for Sweden. We're trying to push that here in the United States. Why? If Sweden doesn't think it's a good thing and they've had it right since the very beginning, why are we trying to do that here? Britta Borkum said with the great name, right? Britta. Uh, great water, right? Look at my little Britta. You see, uh, you see my little Britta right there? So my little Britta clean water. There you go, folks. Drinking well, that out of metal is always the best, Eddie. It really is, especially <laughs> cold, I got to say that. So with the knowledge we have today, she says, with the low risk for serious disease for kids, we don't see any clear benefit with vaccinating them. So let's go back to the very first segment, right? We talk about Bill Maher saying, making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98% mask up like bandits, unfortunately, is the thing that's getting stolen. Not only should they not mask up, that there's no reason to actually vaccinate them. And Sweden has it right yet once again. So, you know, there's two things that are really threatening our children, COVID-19 and critical race theory. They're taught that they're racist and they're taught that they're full of germs. Aren't those like the two things that people got bullied about? You know, back in the 70s and the 80s when we were in elementary school, I think so. Oh, you got Eddie germs. You got Dow germs. You know, oh, why don't you? Oh, he's of that color. Oh, I think he's, look at what color his skin. We're actually teaching our kids. I don't know. Do we have some sort of weird nostalgia for that area again? Um, that's sort of something that's happening. Remember, it was Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, one of his very first things that he decided to go ahead and do. He signed an executive order allowing parents to decide if they want their children to wear masks. Also, he also went after the uh, school boards uh, themselves who were back and firing back at him because remember these boards said the legal action centers around the fundamental questions about the framework of public education in Virginia. He will not allow those children to be told that they are racist. It seems that some teachers, according to Liberty Nation, have no attention to adhering to the new edict Sociopolitical correspondent Jeff Charles wrote that some educators have indicated they would refuse to comply with the governor's bans and teach the concepts of critical race theory anyway. This mirrors the remarks of other teachers across the country who have said they will teach what they want regardless of the law. I have to say, I wish I was a fly on the wall in, in, in one of those counties in Virginia just to kind of see what's going on. I think sort of the essence of the Civil War going forward must be taking place in Virginia. Well, here's what we know about coronavirus. Let's go there first, okay? Who does it hurt? The least amongst us, right? Those that are poor, those that don't have access, those that are coming from broken families. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty just released the results of its latest research 
on average is that districts have their lowest average proficiency on the forward exam in its history in 2021. That's after the pandemic, right? Or just on the last part of the pandemic, falling below 40%. This is in Wisconsin. We're not talking about Gallup, New Mexico, or Rehoboth, or, you know, Tohajali. We're talking about Wisconsin. This is for the very first time. The pattern was consistent across both subjects, uh, both math and reading. Uh, certainly, a uh, slightly larger decline recorded in math. Folks, Khan Academy, that's about all I can say at this point. They say this year, English language arts proficiency fell by 3.9% to 39.7% and 5.7% in math to five to 38.47%, which means now more than 60% of kids in Wisconsin schools can't read, write, or do math at grade level. That is directly related to the coronavirus and to these shutdowns. And it's the worst for low income and minority students. On average, the schools that shut down in 2020 rates of proficiency declined by about 5% more in math and 2% more than ELA than schools that remained open. I'm sure that the numbers are actually far worse than that. That's just what is measurable at this point. And let's factor in mental health. We don't have to even bring, bring up CRT. What are we seeing right now because of the shutdowns? Children's mental health is suffering. When they don't, you all you have to do is watch the movie The Road. Cormac McCarthy's great stuff, Viggo Mortensen. Did you happen to watch it this weekend, Doug? Uh, I, I I saw it a couple years back, but it's I, I probably need a reviewing. <laughs> do you remember when the kid, uh, the son? I remember nobody has a name in the whole entire movie. Not even uh, Viggo Mortensen. The son, his greatest crisis wasn't when his dad died. His greatest crisis was when he was chasing an imaginary boy because he just wanted to see another kid his age. That's exactly what's happening right now. 410,000 under 18s refer to the NHS in England for specialist care and issues such as suicidal thoughts and self-harm between April and October of 2021. The teachers report a huge rise in less severe mental health issues as well. The Royal College Psychiatrist for the BBC also looked at 350,000 under 18s in touch with NHL selves and children and adolescent psychiatric teams at the end of October 21, which is the highest number on record, all, all for mental health issues. Uh, these numbers are staggering. I doubt they're, they're very measurable, especially when you can't get to many of these kids. Now, remember, only those kids with the most serious mental health problems are referred to specialist care. But could you imagine nearly half a million kids in England, no less, are kids needing extra supports, uh, including counseling uh, and or prescriptions uh, for this? Uh, this is uh, really a situation that has created a huge crisis. Now, if you look at this and as amongst blue states, and let's not forget those blue states, New Jersey, New York, California, Illinois, all these other states that are out there, we generally sort of follow their lead. Well, they're looking at some of this information that's coming from England and other places now because they're saying to themselves, you know what, we can't afford to have these mass mandates anymore. The Democrat governors in New Jersey, Delaware, are set to drop in-school mask mandates as they say that we need to get kids back to normal. Yet we're arresting people at Las Cruces down. We're arresting people uh, in gymnasiums and sending them to movie theaters to do it. New Mexico is the worst of the worst, ladies and gentlemen. Phil Murphy and Delaware Governor John Carney on Monday announced mask mandates in schools would soon wind to a close just this morning. A spokesperson for Murphy's office told CNN on Monday that the governor's office plans to announce a timeline to end the state school mask mandate next month, allowing students and school officials to be unmasked as of March. Will Michelle Lujan Grisham follow suit? We don't know. 
Would Dr. Disgrace still uh, suggest such a thing? How about in uh, Pennsylvania? Governor Tom Wolf, one of the most liberal governors. Remember, th this is the guy that went after the Republicans and, you know, ironically had the uh, bridge that wasn't covered by the infrastructure money that collapsed four hours prior to Biden getting there. Rescinded the state's in-school mask mandate just last month. And Democratic governors of states such as Connecticut and New York are also in the process of reevaluating the mask mandates in schools as well. Go ahead, Dow. Take it from there. Well, I love this quote because, as people know, uh, certainly our subscribers know, I have been beyond uh, enraged at the conduct of the woman who runs our pediatric society, the, the New Mexico chapter of that. Uh, she has been a fear pornist from, from day one. Uh, she really achieved just uh, metaphysical nonsense uh, when she said that she wanted, she recommended the, what, the double masking uh, a cloth mask, and, and I think the the, the synthetic the, surgical mask, and ninety five underneath, and then right the underneath. Around. So uh, she wanted those on toddlers, especially if they were teething. And mm -hmm. uh, I just remember when I was taking care of a toddler that was teething, and, and, and there was just you know uh, spit everywhere. He was you know chewing on his jacket, and you know I mean, it just the the practicality of that. I, I, this woman just utter madness. And so they found a doctor in D.C. and. She, Dr. Lucy McBride, she's got half of it right, but half of it wrong. We need to get them back to normal. I think the dam is breaking. It's hard to listen to this. We're going to stop. Whatever you're doing, pull over to the side of the road, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is a medical professional saying this. And I, I don't think Dr. Sienovich here in, in New Mexico would admit this. This is Dr. Lucy McBride. The dam is breaking. It's hard to speak out because there's been this sort of protect against COVID at all costs attitude. Protect against COVID at all costs. We just talked about one of those costs, the mental health devastation over in the UK. Something tells me it's just as real here in, in the US of A. Uh, we, we, and she says, the doctor says, it didn't make sense in 2020 when we had no vaccines. Let's let's leave that aside because children are not at risk of this. They don't need the vaccine at all. Uh, it just doesn't add up anymore. Well, doctor, it never added, added up. But I think the key phrase there is, it's hard to speak out because there's been this sort of protect against COVID at all costs attitude. Right there, ladies and gentlemen, that is what people like us who are in the public sphere, uh, who are on the public airwaves, who put up digital content, that is what we've been dealing with, with for 22 months. Anybody who questions the official narrative, mm -hmm. and the official narrative is Andrew Cuomo, if even one life can be saved, it's justified. Everybody else hates humanity. Uh, this doctor came out and admitted, uh, admitted it 22 months into it. Protect against COVID at all costs, even if the cost is more pain and suffering uh, than if we had followed the Great Barrington Declaration. So uh, kudos to this doctor for, for being public and, and expressing that. Uh, I fully expect her career, Eddie, to be over very, very quickly. <laughs> no doubt. Just like every healthcare professional has actually been dedicated to healthcare instead of policy and propaganda. 550-5500 was on this day uh, that the Bronski beat guy uh, was born. You know, small town boy, Steve Bronski from the English group Bronski Beat. Uh, he had the 1984 UK number three single, Small Town Boy. He died in a fire at his flat in Soho just about a month and a half ago, folks, on December 7, 2021, at the age of 61. We'll hit the top of the hour news, bring it back here. And when we return, we'll talk about those tyrannical teachers uh, right here in the Kiva, as well as Joe Rogan and Republicans and Democrats coming up in hour number two. 
505 in the 505. I am at Eric on the Rock of Talk at AM 1600 KIVA, rockoftalk.com here with D-Dowd, Buska, and I. You can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget, the only way to podcast or watch our video in its entirety is to go directly to the website, www.rockoftalk.chat. 20 cents a day, best value in entertainment and radio, I might add. And don't forget, you can app us directly at www.rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. That's free to you and me until July 1st of this year. Hour two coming at you on the big blue yonder here in big sky country, New Mexico, and not a whole lot of blue skies in front of us, particularly when it comes to uh, education. We'll get to that in a moment. Our first hour covered COVID masking and vaccine, New Mexico COVID lunacy, and what about the children? A good hour, especially uh, something that you should send to a lot of people. People have been asking about that. You can go ahead and, uh, you know, have them become a subscriber for as little as 20 cents a day. And we'll have a daily subscription rate where you can get access to the only uh, that particular day uh, as well. If you just want to download the individual show. Don't forget, every single one of our shows is annotated and cataloged uh, for your listening and following along pleasure. Um, no other show provides that. In fact, I haven't seen another tr- uh, national show provide that uh, as well. Uh, this hour, we'll talk about Democrats and Republicans, including, well, judge blocking schools from enforcing J.B. Pritzker. You might remember him. He was Hillary Rodham Clinton's 2016 uh, treasurer. Uh, Democrats looking to shake off the defund the police as crime runs rampant throughout blue cities. And Democrats were never afraid of COVID as they want you to be. Remember, do as we say, not as we do. Never follow our example, right, Gavin Newsom? Uh, We'll also talk about Hellboy actor Ron Perlman. Always hated that guy. Well, you'll hate him even more after you hear what he has to say. Uh, Chris Christie, you might hate him. Well, there's good reason, but uh, he is actually right on a couple of things. And uh, the Democrats and the Republicans coming together, Manchin, Murkowski, aren't they sort of birds of the same feather? The Republicrats, uh, we'll talk about that. And then Joe Rogan, Spotify, I think it's over for Rogan. I told you he is uh, nearing his uh, end very quickly. Um, You know, between him and Dan Bongino, not really made for the long term as far as I'm concerned. I think they were just a fancy phase to kind of uh, put on uh, a post-rush world, but I think uh, the post-rush is coming, but it's going to be far more conservative than either Rogan or Bongino can uh, muster. And we'll kick everything off here in hour number two with tyrannical teachers. Uh, hour two, how are you, Doug? Uh, I uh, I just, you got me thinking in terms of Rogan. I know we're going to get to it later, Eddie, but the worst thing you can ever do is apologize to these yep. people. Um, I'm a firm believer then, other than go to this address at this time and shoot this person, uh, I'm a free speech absolutist. Even in that case, I'm I be, I'm kind of wavering because we all have agency. We can all decide whether someone's words are going to influence or, uh, us or not. Yeah, if you have not hurt someone, uh, you you have nothing to apologize for. And when they get you apologizing, this is the Adam Carolla approach. And the guy runs his own podcast. He never apologizes for anything. Uh, he was he was uh, I think it was last week. He was. He dredged up a tweet he, he sent in August 2020. Uh, you're all being played. The coronavirus affects old people and sick people. You're letting them take over your life. And he brought back that tweet. And apparently all these Hollywood jerks, friends of his buddy, Jimmy Kimmel, they all went after him and called him yep. all, every name in the book. He never apologized for it. And he's very proud that he doesn't apologize. I mean, once they have you start backpedaling, they got gotcha. you. And, and you're just never going to stop retreating. Uh, if you have nothing to be ashamed of, 
and you're proud of what you said, uh, stick with it. Uh, Eddie, I've never apologized for anything. And I even got myself fired because I wouldn't take down posts on a social media account a couple years ago. Uh, Don't give in to these people ever, 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 ladies and gentlemen. And for the record, uh, folks, uh, to this day, Dowd has never apologized to me for anything. And um, I can't, I, I can't remember a time. Maybe I have done so either. Um, we're in the, we're in politics, and in politics, uh, you know, you have to be able to back up what you say and stand by it. But when you have a five six minute video, I guess that came out by uh, Rogan. We'll get to that. Uh, basically, you know, apologizing once again, second week in a row. It's all but over. Jordan Peterson is totally wrong, by the way, about uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, he thought that he would come out even better. Jordan's got to do a better job of staking his reputation with other people. Um, I think Jordan also learned a lesson uh, over the last week, Dowd, by mm-hmm. not sticking us out for other personalities. You just don't need to do that. Let them stand on their own. Be be, be quick to criticize and uh, always trust your gut. And that's something that Jordan did not do, unfortunately. Well, I, there's this there's this notion in these decent people. I'm not a decent person, so I, I can get into the mind of, of yeah. evil people. Uh, you know, I think Jordan Peterson and, and a lot of people like him, they're fundamentally decent, and they think, well, our enemies really aren't that malevolent, and if we just explain things rationally to them, right. they'll, they'll slack off. These people are crazed ideologues, as I've said before. They are men and women of unsleeping malevolence. Uh, maybe that wasn't true in our country 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Uh, it certainly is the case now, and uh, if you have nothing to apologize for, don't don't apologize. That's right. Never apologize, uh, I would say. Uh, provide your proof, and in the event that you lose, acknowledge your loss, but no reason to apologize for something that you stated when you were at the edge of your perception. I have to say, if you go back and you listen to that 10, 11-year-old podcast uh, that Joe Rogan recorded about him watching Planet of the Apes in a, Apes of, in a Philadelphia theater, though, Oh, it's cringeworthy like you can't believe, Dowd. And, okay, I'll, uh, I'll check it out. Yeah, and I will say that Alex Berenson, uh, he went to, you know, he went through great lengths to actually talk. And he's Berenson's been on Rogan two, three times, and he said that he'd be on it again. I'm not so sure based upon uh, Rogan coming out and apologizing, given uh, the type of person that Berenson has been, that he'd be willing to go ahead and stake his reputation with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has literally lost his entire uh, following as far as I'm concerned for anybody who's looking at him from a principled uh, uh, information source because the next thing that he say if it happens to be too edgy somebody might come back later and ask him to go ahead and apologize but you know I think you can't ever use the n-word there's a compilation of Rogan saying the n-word 18 separate times over the last oh. 10 years and then justifying it in the actual um, uh, you know if you go and you look in, in the context which is what is absent to that but then using the N-word that many times. Uh, Dowd, you and I have never used the N-word on our actual show. And no, uh, no, no, there's no. a reason why. And Joe decided to do it and justify it. And unfortunately for a woke company like Spotify, that's going to be the end of Joe Rogan. There's going to be people that are going to be continuing to leave because if they're not willing to die on the hill of uh, vaccine misinformation, they're certainly willing to to die on the hill of uh, Black Lives Matter, and especially during this uh, short February month, Black History Month, uh, down, no doubt well, about and, it. Well, and Eddie, I think what you did with building Rock of Talk.chat, what Adam Carolla's done with building his empire his media empire it's not tied to social media it's not tied to a, a, a provider like spotify uh you know no facebook live streaming or whatever uh you're gonna have to go out on your own uh is really the only way to sort of control your own fate and then let 
your listeners or your viewers decide if you're going to be a success or a failure. It, sure. It's curious that we live in a time now where people's words can destroy their lives and their careers, but we're letting people who have actually harmed human beings with weapons <laughs> uh, out on the street, and we're letting people steal things and not be prosecuted. So apparently being offended, uh, it, it, you pay a bigger penalty because you've offended someone versus you've committed a violent crime against someone. Uh, we do live, unfortunately, in interesting times. We've already uh, started delving headlong into the Joe Rogan stuff. So let's just go ahead and do this particular segment, Dowd, shall we? Okay, sure. uh, on on uh, Rogan. Now remember, last week when this whole thing came out, Joe Rogan came and said that he was going to be more balanced. And Spotify sort of forced his hand as far as we could tell, even though nothing official came out and you have this sort of way, what, what, Spotify, what is this, a, a Dutch company? Or, uh, Sweden, or, I think. Sweden, okay. Daniel Ek um, then announced that Spotify will be adding content advisories to podcast episodes in an effort to combat misinformation about COVID-19. We have not put anything on Spotify since the previous Saturday. Once they decided to go ahead and do that, I don't want to be on Spotify. I don't want to be on SoundCloud, which is German. I don't want to be on Apple iTunes, and I don't want to put any of our information out there for free any longer. It's just to put that out there for free on those platforms is to subjugate us and you, yep. I think, to the same rules that we're all trying to avoid as conservatives, which is, hey, we believe in the First Amendment and free speech. In a blog post published on January 30th, a Swedish audio streaming service said that it was working to add content advisory to any podcast episode that would include ours as well. That includes a discussion about COVID-19. Would they be able to go ahead and do that? Now, Joe Rogan has had 70, count him, 70 of his podcasts removed. Can you imagine if they went through, started going through all of our stuff and putting our information out there and said, well, let's just start removing these things. I'm not even going to give them the satisfaction to think that they could have another piece of my content and anybody else who's standing up for that should be do that. Remember, we've always been on the bleeding edge of the stuff and we've always been pretty correct on it. I hate to say it because it sounds like we're bragging. It's just that we pay attention to the details and we can sort of play it out. So I can see that. I can see the forest from the trees when it comes to this. So currently something called the COVID hub. It's a place where they can find data-driven facts and up-to-date information. Spotify said that when implemented, its new advisory will elect direct its own listeners to the COVID hub about up-to-date information from scientists, physicians, academics, public health authorities, and other trusted sources. This is according to uh, uh, its release. Here are its sources. You ready for this? BBC, Politico, CNN, the Wall Street Journal and other mainstream media news sources. Now, I will say Wall Street Journal is okay about 90% of the time, but CNN, Politico, BBC? Based on the feedback over the last several weeks, it's become clear to me that we have our obligation to do more to provide balance and access to widely accepted information from the medical and scientific communities guiding us through this. This is a load of crap. This top to bottom is no good, folks, okay? So we are not going to go ahead and jump on board with this widely accepted information. And as far as we're concerned, as we covered during our first hour when it comes to COVID masking and vaccine, and whether it's Bill Maher or some of the information that's coming about ivermectin or the COVID cases in Israel, 80% of the serious ones, those are all vaccinated people, or those people who have been isolated. If you're not symptomatic, you can't pass along. Where we have been wrong is nowhere. 
So why did Joe Rogan start, you know, apologizing? Well, it's because he got paid $100 million and he doesn't want to lose his job with the most lucrative job that he's ever going to see. So under these newly published rules, creators, including musicians, podcasters like Rogan, are told that they cannot publish content that promotes dangerous, false, or dangerous, deceptive medical information. How does one even know if something's false or dangerous at this particular point, especially when we don't have any final data on all this information? And we went over that kind of stuff. There's no history. There's no data. We're starting to look at this up. They're saying deceptive medical information that may cause offline harm or poses a direct threat to public health. How long is it going to be before the next step? If we start, we, we start holding Eddie Aragon or Joe Rogan or anybody else who puts this information out responsible if something should happen to any one of these people, folks, we're one step away from that. But according to the head of Spotify and KRQE News 13 is now covering this, CEO Daniel X said in a message to employees released on Sunday, interesting he went for his employees, that the company would not part ways with Joe Rogan. Ah, maybe a little too soon for him to go ahead and say that. He might be willing to part with Joe Rogan as uh, near as the next couple of weeks. If this were a United States company, based upon Joe Rogan's use of the N-word, and his uh, non-woke status on things and the amount of money that he's getting. Dowd, I think you'd be hard-pressed to, to say at this point, based upon the quote-unquote racial slurs of Joe Rogan, that he's not going to get removed. I said before, and I'll say it again, Joe Rogan will not exist with Spotify within a year. Uh, the forces of free speech, Eddie, are dwindling, dwindling, dwindling in this country. And you, you mentioned race and racism. There's three academics in this article that are... Th these are people who are... I mean, academic freedom is the core of having a career in academia where you're allowed to say and publish things that maybe offend people, but it's based on your professional judgment, your your time in the field, the data you have. Uh, it's just it's just disgusting. This is disgusting. This is Adia Harvey Wingfield, uh, sociology professor. Uh, I love this. Uh, the choices between keeping Rogan and sending a message that society is becoming uh, too woke. Quote, if Spotify says we can't drop him, he has the right to say what he wants. That continues on the line, whereas there is this implicit support to say, wait for it, racist things on these platforms. Uh, she said to, in an interview, John uh, Wibby, a Northeastern University professor and specialist in emerging technologies, quote, there's some real self-examination to be doing beyond Joe. This is a big moment of reckoning for entertainment and streaming platforms to see where the window is and what's over the line. Maddening. Eric Gordon, University of Michigan, business and law professor. Uh, the bottom line qu question should be simple. They can't blow off the artists. The artists make Spotify. They need to settle up with Rogan and uh, and let him go to a home wow. that will be consistent with who he is and everybody will be better off. This is three academics in a row in this, this horrible piece, Eddie, basically saying, eh, we don't really believe in free speech, free thought, free association. Well, the writing is on the wall here, folks, okay? Because a CEO just this morning came out and decided to pledge $100 million. The same $100 million that he gave to Joe Rogan is the same $100 million that he's now going to be giving to marginalized groups, quote unquote, marginalized groups. Why? This is $200 million that this guy has spent. Must be nice to be sitting on a quarter of a billion dollars that you can just waste one on Rogan, one on the cover up for Rogan. 
Daniel X said he will not remove podcaster Joe Rogan from his platform despite a recently surfaced videos of him abusing the N-word. In a letter sent to Spotify staff obtained by The Hollywood Reporter, he said while he strongly condemns Rogan's incredibly hurtful language, he does not want to take a ride down the slippery slope of canceling voices. So what does he do? He takes $100 million of his own money. How many times can he afford to do this? And has he gone and looked at other things and other podcasters and other platforms on his own platform to scrub them for, well, here's Rogan from over the weekend from 11 years ago. At one point, Rogan referred to a black neighborhood as a planet of the apes. Rogan immediately took to social media, apologized for his language. That six-minute video isn't going to be enough to save Joe Rogan, let me tell you. It's not my word to use. I'm well aware of that now. And who's going to want to listen to a Joe Rogan that sounds like this? But for years, I used it in that manner. I never use it to be racist. For years, you used your position to get yourself into a position where you can make $100 million. So this path to get there, the ends justify the means? Well, folks, for Joe Rogan... He's all but finished right here. He doesn't have one more step in this hot water as far as I'm concerned. And uh, there's just, a, a, you know, whatever it's going to take for Spotify to leave Rogan at this point in, in this topsy-turvy seesaw battle of who has more power. Uh, Spotify and the woke culture is winning out over Rogan down. Yeah, and I think uh, it's curious that Spotify is pledging $100 million. Now, anyone who knows their uh, Western civilization history, and Eddie, Eddie, you certainly know this, back in the day, uh, wealthy people could purchase indulgences from the church uh, to sort of defray your sin. I, I think this $100 million that happens to coincide with the $100 million that they signed with Joe Rogan for, uh, $100 million for, let's see, committed to an incremental investment of $100 million for the licensing, development, and marketing of music, artists and songwriters, and audio content from historically marginalized groups. This basically amounts to a woke indulgence on the part mm -hmm. of Spotify, $100 million. And listen, I, I really, I agree with your, your criticisms of Joe Rogan. I don't know what is in Joe Rogan's heart. I mean, I, I do think that one of the big mistakes Joe Rogan made is going into a partnership with a big media platform exactly. provider in which you're always at this you're always at the mercy of these people uh, i'm not defending the use of the n-word I'm, I'm just thinking from a business perspective joe rogan really put himself in in jeopardy here folks that's why we have rock talk chat eddie the other day uh, we had a very kind of uh, uh uh conservative christian posted something one of our subscribers online right. and uh we you know i completely disagree with him We've gotten cancel culture has gotten so strong that my initial millisecond reaction was, oh, I'm going to delete this guy's post. And then I thought, uh, why did we build Rock of Talk Chat exactly. so, so we could you. facilitate this kind of dialogue? Right. So instead, I just sort of engaged him back and forth. And hopefully we didn't insult each other too much. Uh, platforms like ours, where you're reaching the point, ladies and gentlemen, where. We're all you've got left for free exchange of ideas because you're sure as hell aren't going to get it on Spotify and Facebook and YouTube. And, and actually, over the weekend, Eddie, I really put, canceled my subscriptions to a bunch of YouTube channels that are available on places like Rumble and Odyssey. So I'm really hoping to migrate completely over to Rumble and Odyssey in terms of my content uh, consumption. So uh, I don't believe in woke indulgences. I don't think indulgences were a good idea in the 13th century. I don't think they're such a great ide idea right now. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, Spotify CEO saying, I'll be good. 
con uh, cancel culture commissars. I'll be good. I'll give this money if you just let me keep Joe Rogan. That's the world we're living in, and it is not a healthy one for for ideas and content and and uh, just exchanging thoughts and fostering discourse and debate. I guess we don't live in that world anymore. I'll tell you, I think uh, the whole purpose of having a Joe Rogan or anybody for that matter is for them to be a social media influencer, for them to be an influencer or product pusher uh, in general. You can't do that when you are, you know, you have a track record like Rogan. So his value has become essentially zilch. He's become such a lightning rod for people on both sides. And you can't move product because once you buy a product that's endorsed by Joe Rogan, you inevitably get everything else that goes along with this. You must be racist. You endorse the N-word. Uh, and you are in Dr. Malone stuff. I mean, that's the way it is. Best thing for Rogan, if you were an actual businessman, the best thing for him to would have been instead of a quote-unquote talent is for him to develop his own platforms and places where he can get out his information. He did not do that because ultimately, you know, his main focus, uh, as you and I both know, is for him to make that money. And he's done as much dancing as a person can do within, the, within two weeks uh, for that money. Uh, he might as well be a stripper at this point. Uh, speaking of, back in 76 on this day, uh, it was one Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lovers, went to number one on the U.S. single chart. Uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, excuse me. The singer's first solo, U.S. number one. Didn't realize uh, that that was it. Uh, we'll go out to that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in back after a quick break here in the Kiva. When we return, we'll get to those tyrannical teachers in a moment. AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, com. All right, those tyrannical teachers that we've been waiting on. Well, a couple weeks ago, you might remember, you know, the school shut down on a Thursday. The public school system completely and totally shut down. I'm like, well, what the heck is going on here? Can't anybody take, um, I don't know, but what are they, attendance? By hand, don't doesn't anybody know their students? And in my opinion, like this was like a real telltale sign because you know the Albany Public School has implemented this system where the kids are called. Well, your kid didn't show up and it's turned in. Well, apparently that whole thing was a cyber attack. Well, that's how pansy our Albany Public School system has become. Yeah, any, any um, notice of your actual teacher not knowing your kids are? I think this was a telltale sign. So generally, um, you know, attendance is taken and then uh, calls are made uh, directly to people. Well, these cyber attacks apparently aren't just happening here. They're happening everywhere. But this one in uh, Albuquerque was actually singled out in an AP news release, which I thought was interesting. And we're seeing it almost nowhere else. Now, later on in the week, we're going to talk about historically black colleges. I believe five or six of them have been threatened with violence. We're starting to see, in my opinion, I think some made up things to sort of keep people out of school, uh, sort of uh, woke things. And I think this happened to be just one of them. I don't know how much I actually believe about the cyber attack, uh, by the way, Dowd. But um, apparently um, this was a what do you call these cyber ransom? Yeah, ransomware. A ransomware type thing, which I still don't have an understanding. I come from a tech background. Like, how does this even work? Does someone place a random call that you can't trace uh, in terms of demanding uh, so that they go ahead and release uh, this information? Yeah, I don't well, Eddie, quite... as I understand it, sure. that's what the hackers come in because I've been following this. I guess school districts is a new uh, – School districts represent a, a new uh, fertile territory for the cyber guys because okay. I've been following this at the sort of county government 
municipal government. Basically, they come in, they take key data. Uh, you know, what matters more than your tax revenue data? That's what government loves more than anything to tax us to death. Uh, and then they basically say, well, unless you pay us 200 grand, you're not going to be able to get this data back. And okay. this has happened multiple times. You know, I'd, I'd love to blame APS alone, but it, it has happened all over the country. And I've been following this uh, because I'm interested in the issue of to what extent do do is government ineptitude in the IT sector allowing this? And those of us as taxpayers are going to have to pay this ransom uh, because a lot of these governments are paying this. So APS was hit with this. And, and as you said, this received national, national attention shut down for two days because the uh, what the student database was denied. So teachers <laughs> couldn't couldn't find out, you know, couldn't track their students. And I, this wonderful uh, line from this one, I didn't realize how important it was until I couldn't use it, said uh, Sarah Hager, a Cleveland middle school art teacher. So uh, cost us two two days uh, at APS and uh, hurt the kids even more. We're finding all kinds of ways to hurt our children, aren't we? Well, and the teachers, let's just say, they're the ones that are the real victims, Dowd. Always, they don't, always. They, they don't get paid. And, yep, yep, yep. And, and, and to this end, remember in this unbelievable health, or excuse me, um, housing market, teachers need help there too. They're not getting paid enough, right? Just getting a ten thousand dollar raise, another ten thousand dollar raise, and ten thousand. They've gotten th three raises in two years without even working at this point. So, this was written up in the Albuquerque Journal. It talks about a woman by the name of Jenny Rowland, and apparently she's able to get a twenty thousand dollar payment grant. How many people can actually get this from a nonprofit HomeWise organization? And she'll get to close on a one bedroom home in Santa Fe, 41 years of age, and she's unable to buy a home in Santa Fe without the assistance. Well, look where you're getting a house at. That guaranteed, that $20,000 payment, down payment that she's getting, is probably on a $350,000 one-bedroom home. Now, there's a million reasons to feel bad for these, these teachers, right? And I'm, of course, being uh, sarcastic and facetious. But a 2021 Santa Fe issue survey pulled over 400 district educators and asked if they could afford a home or a condo in a, in a town that met their family's needs. 86% said no. I'm surprised it's that low. As victimized as these teachers are. Dowd, I mean, do you have a right to housing? 11.2% were unsure. 3% said yes. 3% of all the teachers out there? What are they looking at for homes at this point? $560,000 is the median price right now. As a teacher, Ms. Chavez says, your day just isn't within the school day. You're working early mornings. Here we go. It's like they program this and they, they literally, every single teacher you meet all says the same thing. As a teacher, your day isn't just within a school day. You're working early mornings, late nights. It takes a lot of planning and a lot of prep. You're getting to know your students and also their families. You're providing wraparound services. Who even knows what the hell that is? Well, they don't I mean, know what that that's is. That's an outrageous line, Eddie. Usually that term wraparound services, it applies to homeless people. So you're getting you know, mental health counseling and you're being driven to your job training. Teachers are not providing wraparound services to kids and, the, and their parents. And Eddie, I don't know. Uh, you're working early mornings, late nights. You do have to do a lot of uh, planning and a lot of prep. Kind of sounds like every professional I know, whether they're a teacher or not. I agree, Dowd. So Wall Street Journal recently did a write-up on this, and there's a lot of teachers that are quitting. In fact, we don't have enough teachers, right? We have Michelle Lujan Grisham teaching. We have, uh, you know, the National Guard teaching at this point. Oh, we're now finding out why. 
well, teachers aren't getting paid enough, so they're picking up and they're moving and they're going, but they must be exhausted. Instead of working nine months a year, Dow, they want to work a full year yep. schedule now. <laughs> and they want to go ahead and start at seven in the morning and go home at six o'clock at night. Racing and, uh, toward the private sector. Millions <laughs> of teachers can't wait to work in the private sector. Well, exactly right. The rate of people quitting jobs in the private educational service rose more than in any other industry in 2021. Maybe it's because they only work 75% of the time and they make 75% of the money, which is what they are supposed to make, folks. Generally speaking, they're not working half as hard as you think they are or one quarter as they say they are. And here's what's really interesting in all this, okay, is their attitudes are leading the way. Do you really want your children in these places where these people are that unhappy? If, in my opinion, you wouldn't want to date a teacher, you wouldn't want to marry a teacher, you wouldn't want to be around a teacher because according to all the news, they're downright miserable. And you'd always have to buy them every meal and every drink that there possibly is down. And here's what's happening in California. A California teacher slams a pro-cop mask as new confederacy. Wait, aren't teachers and cops sort of like kind of the same thing? It's vocational. Here's a substitute teacher berated a 13-year-old student for wearing a pro-police mask, claiming the face covering was the new version of the Confederate flag. Not only are these people angry, depressed, not making enough money, but, but they're downright rude and terrible people. Lucas Law was wearing the mask featuring a thin blue line in support of law enforcement when he was confronted by the educator last Monday in his math class at Lyman Gilmore Middle School in Grass Valley. That's not the American flag. That's the new Confederacy flag, says the teacher. This is the woke ideology that their union is forcing them to comply with as they cry and scream for every dollar they could possibly get. And what's happening? Well, it's all translating right here into our Albuquerque public school system, folks. Declining enrollment over the past few years during the pandemic, we are not able to track 13,000 of our students. EPS has said that the biggest factor is a drop in enrollment with 5,000 fewer students this year. Well, we should have plenty of students. I mean, teachers then, right? Well, they've got a brand new budget and they have a brand new shortfalls. APS doesn't not have to contract out for buses, janitorial, food service. Don't you think APS should decide to go ahead and you know, contract out for all three of those, including teachers at this particular point, since these are quote unquote temp jobs anyway. Well, according to Channel 7, and this was interesting, Dowd, mm -hmm. the actual shortfall will actually help the teacher shortage. That's right, folks. So for all their complaining and belly aching about everything, this actually, this whole short, uh, teacher shortage might actually work uh, towards the benefit uh, of both the teachers and the Albuquerque public school system, Dowd. Well, I love the complaint of the superintendent. Uh, you're right about the, 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 the enrollment issue, Eddie, but they're also complaining about uh, some of our costs are out of control. Utility costs are going up. Uh, just finding paper is difficult. Well, um, the most powerful lobby in New Mexico is the government employee lobby. They're, they're unions. And of course, teachers leading the way, they put people in power who do things like vote for crazy environmental and energy regulations that drive up our utility costs. So maybe you just see a connection there. Uh, and you're right about that. You're right about contracting out. There's a great think tank in Michigan that does an annual survey of government school districts in terms of whether they contract out three things, a janitorial food service and busing. And I did a, an analysis of school districts a couple years ago. APS has no interest in contracting out those services. You could really achieve big, big savings on top of, 
dropping your enrollment by thousands of students. I don't know. That seems to me uh, consolidation. You can close down uh, buildings and classrooms and, 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 and lay off staff. It seems like there's a lot of opportunities for savings there. Hopefully, Eddie, I think uh, a lot of those kids are never coming back. Uh, they're going to be homeschooled or they're going to sectarian or non-sectarian schools. I don't care. Get them the hell out of government schools. So uh, put me in the category of non-sympathetic to the superintendent and, and the, and the uh, principals whining and the about this and the teachers whining about this. When you have, as we just had over the weekend, a $166 million one fiscal year increase in salaries for teachers and principals. And guess what? Every single person voting in the New Mexico Senate, Democrat and Republican, every single one voted for it in an election year. I don't know, kind of suggests to me that... Uh, Public employee unions run government in New Mexico. Uh, it's a really strong indicator of that. Well, and the Republicans aren't Republicans either. We'll talk about that. We return. We can't tell the Republicans versus the Democrats. They're the Republicans, Republicrats. And uh, that's exactly what's happening here in the state as well. Well, back on this day, uh, back in 81, it was cool in the gang. Celebrate took a two-week run at number one of the U.S. singles chart with that uh, big hit. And it was the eighth top 40 hit and the number seven hit in the UK as well. Cooling gang, uh, celebrate. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva AM 600 KIVA, ABQ.FM. A quick th uh, third segment here in hour number two coming up next. And then in our third hour, we have Woke is Broke, Sportsing, Trump, and a little bit of Bumbling Biden to uh, wrap the show uh, for today. There it is, folks. John Lennon, 1981. On this day, well, of course, uh, it was him with woman, uh, apparently an ode to Yoko Ono. Is she a woman, Dad? I don't really know, but uh, anyway. She, she's still around, isn't she? Uh, you, she she's, is indeed. She still remains one of your uh, most hated foes uh, and uh, <laughs> one of the most uh, ego-driven people maybe in all of music history. Uh, people don't oftentimes know this, and yeah, John was not her first husband. Uh, she had quite the uh, battle with her ex-husband uh, over a, which he, she talked about publicly. I think we played it some time ago. Um, and John was uh, knee-deep involved in a custody battle on behalf of Yoko. She must have been some sort of magic type of woman. Uh, she must have had some sort of gypsy spell. Uh, <laughs> I, I am still. We're all still trying to figure that out, aren't, aren't, aren't we, Eddie? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I, you can find online a couple pictures of the Fab Four, and then she's sitting there with Lennon, and the other guys are looking around like, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> John was so smart at so many things, and then there's Yoko. Every guy's got a blind spot somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his. Uh, 550-5500. All right, let's wrap it quickly, uh, shall we? We've got just uh, really a few minutes, and let's uh, race through this. So Ron Perlman, Hellboy, um, he's Hellboy for conservatives. I hate this guy. He's like the one person I hate. He, uh, besides Rob Reiner, uh, Ron Perlman, Rob Reiner are two of the worst um, liberals in all of Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned. He's the Hollywood movie star known for playing uh, cigar-chomping loudmouths. He recently endorsed the concept of a national divorce via social media, folks. He says, you don't want to live in my world, and I certainly don't want to live in yours, yours he wrote. His disdain for conservatives in the Republican Party is well-documented. After the passing of Rush Limbaugh, Perlman took to Twitter to express his condolences to the quote-unquote devil, who will no doubt have to spend the rest of eternity with Rush Limbaugh. 
The Hellboy actor also used his platform to accuse disabled veteran turned ICE agent of having a Nazi symbol tattooed on him. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's and wrong, by the way. It was verified that it wasn't the case. (laughs) Ron Perlman's elitist disdain for anyone besides his leftist echo chamber isn't a new development. So on an episode of her podcast, Sarah Silverman said, if people aren't getting along, like in relationships and they break up, so why don't we just finally realize these states aren't working and divide up to two or three different countries? His his call for secession now. That's right, folks. Um, this is what is happening in this country. They're saying it's time for blue states to separate from red states. Gladly. We would love nothing more than to actually get these blue states off the dole. And if he's calling for the blue states to separate from the red states, these are states uh, down that uh, would not be able to pay for themselves if we're looking at every blue state out there. California, Illinois, New York, Maryland. Pick a blue New Mexico, blue states that are all federally dependent. Uh, I think Ron doesn't know the first thing about math. No, and he doesn't know the first thing about uh, the, the the falsehood of this binary nonsense we have about, you know, all Democrats evil, all Republicans good, all Republicans evil, all Democrats good. Uh, it's time that every state, uh, sta- in every that every state they would elect Republicans, great, great usage of the language there, to represent them and all of the rest of us to separate. You don't want to live in my world and I don't want to live in your world. Well, Ron, you know. The Republicans in New Mexico just voted to give uh, teacher union an additional 166 million. So there are some Republicans, Ron. You probably could could get behind. I think life's mm-hmm. always a little more complicated than uh, what a Hollywood star would have you believe. And speaking of Republicans getting behind uh, Democrats and uh, vice versa, this is what's happening federally right now. Joe Manchin and Murkowski both endorsed each other yesterday during a joint TV interview. Manchin defended his opposition of President Biden's two trillion dollar social spending bill, saying he's not a Washington Democrat. And then I'm endorsing my dear friend Murkowski, he said. She's a Republican, right? Ostensibly. Uh, Alaska could only be so lucky to have her continue to serve them, uh, Manchin of West Virginia said on the show. So that's interesting. Um, and then we know Murkowski, how many times has she voted with the Democrats? And isn't she going to be more prone to do so after Manchin decided to come over to her end? It seems like they're trying to establish this weird third rail. And part of that third rail is the likes of a guy like Chris Christie who at the worst possible times will always pick up and sort of kick another Republican in the teeth, including one Donald Trump. He also said that the Republican National Committee has not sensed a quote-unquote shift around the country, adding that Americans want to hear about solutions for 2022. How can we hear about solutions, uh, Chris Christie, when we're still dealing with all the problems that the Democrats have created in 2020? I mean, we're literally right in the middle of their agenda, and he decides that he wants to go ahead and attack Republicans right now. Uh, he's also talking about the January the 6th stuff, and he continues to be uh, a guy that plays that up uh, as well. Maybe the only thing that he ultimately cares about is his own political uh, leadership and ambitions down. Uh, he's always been a weasel. Uh, I, you know, coming from the Northeast, uh, spent a lot of time in New Jersey when I was 11 years with my nephew. And uh, I love these, don't you love these types who say we're above, they're, the, they're, ne- they're Bob Pearls at the national level. You know, we're above all this. Oh, right. Yeah. Left and Republican, you know, we're deep thinkers and we just look down our nose at these these troglodytes down here. We're, we're so more elevated. Uh, very little good has ever come from these people. The Washington consensus that these people support, uh, that's what's put us $30 trillion in debt, ladies and gentlemen. Now, these are not people to admire. He's a little bit like uh, Mitt Romney in that uh, oh, they try time, to go time. for the center and the center never works, uh, as we both know. Uh, let, let's finally wrap it up with just the Democrats that are out there. And, uh, you know, this is a good little piece 
uh, put out in The Federalist uh, talking about how Gavin Newsom, uh, who has been talking about the science, but continues to go ahead and keep everybody on lockdown. He was at the Rams 49er playoff game, a call California NFC NFL affair, accompanied by Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, also very woke, and also San Francisco Mayor London Breed without a mask. Do as we say, but not as we do, folks. These folks are never, this is about the sixth or seventh time I can think of Newsom. And let's not forget the time when he disappeared, right, out Immediately following him getting the vaccination, he was in absentia for 22 days. Nobody knew where he was or what yep. was even happening to him. Nobody knew. Denver, Austin mayors, both Democrats. Illinois and Michigan governors, both Democrats. House Speaker and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We know about the crime going on there. These are all people who want you to do what they want you to do. And let's not forget our very own Michelle Lujan Grisham. She's been photographed without her mask, and she's been traveling internationally as well. She's gone to governor's conferences. She's gone to international conferences in Scotland and Spain. These are all things that she's done under COVID. Uh, they have never been that afraid of COVID, but they want you to be, and they want you to suffer under their edicts, folks. And when it comes to each of their cities, what about the defund the police movement? They're now pushing back against it, just like Michelle Lujan Grisham is doing here in the state of New Mexico. They're doing that nationally everywhere. And in fact, it's kind of amazing to see Lori Lightfoot defend the police officers or what's happening in New York. You have the mayor who's black, who's a Democrat, who's also defending the police officers right now. They're doing whatever they possibly can to distance themselves off from the very woke politics of the last six years of Colin Kaepernick, the last four years of the defund the police movement and Black Lives Matter, which has no ostensibly no leadership down. Yeah, and I can't believe that uh, a Democratic congressman from New York City, quote, the defund police movement is dead and in New York City and any elected official who's advocating for the abolition and or even the defunding of police is out of touch with reality and should not be taken seriously. Boy, have things changed since May and June of 2020. Uh, they are They are running away from this as fast as they can. I absolutely are. And I think the, the, the end of it, of course, is the courts. The courts themselves are even running away from the Democrats. And we've seen this happening happen in, in spades with OSHA and the pushback from the Supreme Court, uh, not to mention some local judges, including against J.B. Pritzker. Students attending one of 445 schools across Illinois who are part of the sweeping lawsuit won't have to wear a mask now in Illinois. When is this coming to New Mexico, Dowd? In a 30-page ruling late Friday, Sangamon County Circuit Court Judge Raylene Grishow deemed null and void the governor's emergency rules to the Illinois Department of Public Health concerning COVID-19 mitigation. She says, and I quote, the arbitrary method. That's exactly what we thought. When we think as to the contact tracing and masking in general continue to raise fair questions to the legality of the executive orders in light of the violations of healthy children's substantive due process rights. Statutory rights have attempted to be bypassed through this issuance of executive orders and emergency rules. This type of evil, folks, that's right, evil she uses, is exactly what the law was intended to constrain. J.B. Pritzker's evil, according to the court of Illinois, and that happens to deal with 145 different school districts uh, throughout that state. That's pretty incredible, folks. So I think we're getting the upper hand. The Republicans and the Democrats are coming together looking for a place to run. They can't find it. 
the uh, hypocrisy that's coming from the left. Do as you say, not as we do, as they continue to show up. We understand that this entire thing has become political right from the very beginning. And it's all about getting the certain you know, support of certain groups, whether it's teachers unions, whether it's Black Lives Matter, or whatever woke group that happens to be out there. This is all 100% politics, and they can't stop playing it. In our next hour, we're going to talk about Woke is Broken. We're going to do that uh, right after we hit the top of the hour news right here in the Kiva. AM 1600 KIVA, third hour up next, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com. Hour three, you and me, and D-Dowd Muska, commercial free. 606 and the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour. I am Eddie Eric on the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIV, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Podcasting nowhere but on www.rockoftalk.chapter, 20 cents a day. Subscribe, get the complete and total video edition, not to mention uh, the audio, audio edition. And I'm getting compliments because finally it's commercial free. Yes, only for those people. It's like an entire third hour for the entire podcast that you can go ahead and listen to and distribute as well. Don't forget, you can app us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com, covering a lot of out, uh, excuse me, a lot of ground here in our first couple of hours. We didn't do a wrap uh, on Friday, but we did have Louis Sanchez, and that was a lot of fun on Friday afternoon. And uh, D. Dowd Muska did the honors of uh, the second half of that interview, which was uh, very, very good. This uh, particular show, we've covered COVID masking and vaccine, the Mexico COVID lunacy, and what about the children? Also, Joe Rogan, tyrannical teachers, and Republicans and Democrats. And uh, this hour, we'll cover Trump sportsing, wokey, woke is broke. Boy, that seems to be a subject every single day, doubt from now on. And of course, the elections a little bit earlier this morning. It was uh, pretty incredible as, uh, yeah, they got in about everything they wanted in that Senate Bill 8, Dowd, with the exception of the 16 and the 17-year-old voting. I think uh, that was always a decoy. They were never planning on truly doing that. Mm-hmm. And the, Repub- the Republicans sort of caved again, Dowd, and fel- felons can vote. Felons can run for office. You know, we basically have uh, absentee voting forever. We have early voting forever. You know, basically everything we can do to possibly make it absolutely uh, easy, trouble-free for people to vote. But really, you know what this is all about. This is all about control at the ballot box. It is, and uh, I, I, it's. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, there was, there is not a strong, organized, principled resistance to these ideas in the state because uh and, and i sent you Eddie, a week or two ago i sent you a really interesting video maybe someday if we're off we could play it it was an interview with a uh, former federal congressman from virginia and i think he maybe had some ethical issues but he was very libertarian-ish you know conservative slash libertarian he was talking to the uh the podcaster tim pool and he was talking about private conversations that he would have with republican leadership on Capitol Hill and the utter terror and fear that they had to be perceived as racism and why they vote poorly in the wrong direction on so many pieces of legislation because this could be spun as you're a racist. And he, at one point he just was exasperated and he said, they're gonna call you that no matter how you vote. Just the, the mere exactly. fact that you disagree with them on any level. And it was a really interesting insider's perspective. This guy was on Capitol Hill in DC, having these kind of conversations that those of us who are outsiders we imagine these conversations happen, but we can't prove it. We weren't part of it. But this was a guy, I think he only served one term, maybe two. And he was saying how leadership 
would advise us against voting for or against something because it would be spun as you're the racist. This is going to happen anyway. And then since the death of St. George of Fentanyl, it's only going to happen to the nth power even more. It's, it's not going to change. So why not stand on principle? Yeah, I think we got to stick to your guns, just like Joe Rogan, right? Never apologize and That's never right. move away from what you believe. Whatever happened to that? I'll stand for something or you fall for anything. Like you know, a rock. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Bob Seeger. Uh, all right, let's get into it. 550-5500 as to why woke is certainly broke. And, well, the Memphis BLM founder, Pamela Moses, sentenced for illegally voting, a great merge of everything we've talked about and, of course, of the voting itself. The founder of Black Lives Matter chapter in Memphis has been sentenced to prison for what? Six years for illegally registering to vote in Tennessee. Uh, the 44-year-old activist was ordered to spend six years and a day behind bars Monday for registering to vote despite felony convictions in 2015 that made her ineligible to do so. That's right. That's according to the district attorney general. You tricked the probation department into giving you documents saying you were off probation. It's too bad that uh, Miss Ward didn't decide to register to vote in the state of New Mexico. She'd be totally fine, lauded, and celebrated. She'd be a community heroic, uh, uh, Dowd. Uh, another reason why Tennessee continues to be a great state where many people, especially law-abiding citizens, continue to flock to. In 2015, Moses pleaded guilty to tampering with evidence and forgery, both felonies, and to misdemeanor charges of perjury stalking on a theft under $500, as well as escape. What didn't this woman do? She was placed <laughs> she, on probation. She ran the gamut. <laughs> <laughs> she was placed on probation for seven years, deemed ineligible to vote in Tennessee because of the tampering with evidence charge. So she believes the sentencing was beyond the events that was presented, she told the Washington Post. Her attorney, Bidi Anyawu, said that his client plans to appeal the sentencing uh, quite frankly, there's not going to be much of an appeal uh, success uh, right here because the well, law. It's clear that the judge was racist, Eddie. So the, 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 oh, the appeal will be successful. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Except you don't have a woke, um, you know, judiciary in a place like Tennessee. In Tennessee, they actually have laws like they do in Arizona, like they do in Texas, like they do in Utah. On uh, a place like uh, Tennessee, that just isn't going to fly. So she might decide to go ahead and have to relocate to New Mexico and increase that, uh, you know, the proportion of the uh, African-American population from two and a half percent to three percent down. There's a job waiting for her in the Keller administration. <laughs> She'll be first up for that. Um, well, maybe, you know, instead of her working here, maybe she could just apply for remote work, Dowd. In fact, the latest uh, opinion piece coming up, um, and I say it's opinion because... I can't find stats inside the entire article. <clears throat> it's an opinion piece, folks. Uh, it's fun. It's it, here's. Here, let me go some way. It is 4 p.m. on a Monday, and I'm on a walk. I'm also on the clock. Last Friday, I received a calendar invite for a meeting to discuss my workplace's ongoing efforts towards anti-racism. The notification made my heart skip a beat. I'm a junior faculty member at an elite university and one of only two tenure-track faculty members at my school. I could expect 90 minutes on the school's sluggish pace towards diversifying the faculty, student body, and curriculum with my mostly white colleagues. <gasps> this woman's black, occasionally stealing glances to gauge my reaction. Could I skip the meeting? No. 
my absence would be noted. Well, we always miss, you know, we always know when the black person is either there or not there, right? Yeah, keep tight track of those things. Tight track. Uh, thank goodness for remote work. Instead of spending the meeting under fluorescent light, trying to will my face into a neutral mask, I spent it walking briskly around my neighborhood, which regulated my stress and left me feeling more energized and depleted. The title of this woman's uh, opinion piece in The Hill, Black employees will thrive with remote work and it's anti-racist. Dowd, um, I, I present to you and our audience uh, quite possibly the most woke piece of, uh, of writing uh, that we have yet to speak about. Yeah, and, and I, think, uh, I think people's initial uh, reaction would be remote work and racism and black employees. What, what does one have to do with the other? What, what are you even talking about? Uh, according to our, our tenure track professor, her employer, by the way, Yale University, so uh, this is going to get good, folks. I cannot understate the immense burden that black employees, capital mm. B, yeah. face in predominantly white workplaces. Uh, she is recommending <clears throat> recommending remote work for black employees because it gives them much needed space and flexibility to navigate these challenges while doing our jobs, the, the, the challenge of being a black person in a white, you know, racist white workplace, uh, to restrict the flexibility that remote work offers will only make it harder for organizations to recruit and retain employees of color. So the way to bring more employees of color into your workplace is to keep employees of color out of your workplace via remote work. That, that's that's the, the, the thinking here. Um, this Black History Month, rather than releasing the usual empty solidarity statements, <laughs> support your Black employees, an integral part of meeting your organization's anti-racism goals is allowing remote work. And I really think, Eddie, promoting yes. comity, C-O-M-I-T-Y, mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. different ethnicities and races, I think one of the ways in which you could get uh, maybe office romance, office friendship, oh, uh, take take your right. kids to work day where yes. black kids and white kids and Hispanic kids and Asian kids could, could mingle together is keeping everybody at home remotely because that will foster a lot of, you know, goodwill and friendship uh, among the races. I think this is a brilliant piece. It really is, you know. Nothing says togetherness like keeping everybody separate. That, that's absolutely you know, that's, uh, that, that's the way we want to go with this. Uh, leaders, before you jump to reinstate in-person work, consider embracing the flexibility that remote work offers. Your black employees, Dowd, will thank you for it. There it is. Assistant Professor of Organizational Behavior. Organizational Behavior. There, uh -huh. that, well, I mean, this is how like, you do it. We had snow here in, in New Mexico recently. I, I come from Snowland. Uh, I always thought snowflakes were white, but apparently there are black snowflakes. I've never actually seen a black snowflake falling from the sky, but no. uh, P Professor Dupre uh, is really looking out for black snowflakes and really trying to keep them out uh, of the workplace. I, I think that's going to really in the long term be, be good for our, our diversifying country. Incidentally, as an aside, she did write this piece out while she was working remotely and yes. uh, working out of country in Mexico City, folks. So, oh, interesting. There you go. Yeah, yeah. she was uh, out and about, uh, so to speak. So speaking of woke and going broke, well, it was the Lincoln Project who was doing what it could do. And let's not forget uh, for all of its uh, foibles uh, during the 2020 election, it's back at it once again. 
uh, in a hilarious accidental promotional video for the Trump 2024 campaign. The Lincoln Project showed its talents extend beyond staging fake racism and getting in trouble for sexual harassment. After the Biden administration announced a raid on its ISIS, ISIS operative, operative during which the terrorist set off a suicide bomb, killing himself and numerous women and children, including members of his own families. It was actually four uh, specifically. The Lincoln Project made a video showing Biden's announcement of the raid side by side with clips of former President Donald Trump making an announcement of similar nature. He says, what is apparent, apparently lost on the oblivious LP team is that mocked up video. However, it's the same people watching will likely walk away thinking, gosh, I really miss him. So here we go. Biden's bland, detached tone of voices in the clip. It doesn't keep his praise of the brave military troops from being well-deserved. But after all the blathering nonsense, bureaucrats from Biden's White House to the education department to his CDC have shoved in our ears. Hearing Biden speak is like hearing him beg you to tune him out. Next to the Trump's blunt manner is refreshing. I got to watch much of the raid, he says in the first clip. They did a lot of shooting and they did a lot of blasting. <laughs> Pretty awesome. So one of the reasons that Trump resonated with the voters, of course, was his ability to cut through the speech and the attitudes of career politicians like Biden. So the video that you could watch all the way to the end, we almost certainly remember more Trump's word than you will Biden's, despite the surplus of the latter. And I will actually say one thing uh, in reading everything that's happening. Let's just kind of look and take a step back at us on an international stage. And what's happening in the Ukraine and China, right? The Sino-Russians getting together, pretty crazy stuff. You have Putin getting together with Xi Jinping. You have this new hegemonic power where they're not even asking for permission anymore. They're getting together to sort of call everybody else off, the rest of the world. What are we doing? Well, we're uh, going international. We're talking about how we're helping uh, uh, the Ukraine economically in this piecemeal approach by... I don't know, throwing in helmets, ammunition. I don't know, here's some bombs. Uh, here's 3,000 of our troops. Uh, here's some missiles. Canada's uh, sending equipment and food. I think the UK is sort of like sending stuff. Folks, these are two of the largest powers in the world right now. They don't care about you blowing up ISIS. They don't care about you with a little tiny victory in Syria. These are people who are about to take over our entire country. And I can't tell you the amount of feedback I got on Friday by saying that, that the opportunity for U.S. hegemonic power is over. We're literally criticizing Joe Rogan for racism as our priority. I mean, while we're looking at the rest of the world getting taken over by both China and Russia, they must be just looking at us and laughing at us. So the Lincoln Project or anybody else who is anti-Trump and just think about our position in the world. I still remember Donald Trump moving out the leader of the Montenegro out of the way, like push, what do you mean you're gonna sue me? I mean, I remember him insulting, uh, you know, the president of France, of, of Canada, of going after the UK guy, of, of what he's done with Angela Merkel and all that. Those times are over, folks. Now you got Biden who can't even be helped off of a stage by his own wife, while Putin and Xi Jinping are turning around and looking at, at Joe Biden is saying, look how weak the United States is. That's the current condition of our country, folks. Uh, we are one of the weaker countries that are out there, and that's the perception of, of that's happening with us right now. So here you are. I think it's a good contrast as you guys watch this video, and you'll understand just how much we miss Donald Trump out. Yeah, and, I, and I've always said uh, whatever my issues with, with the, the Trump presidency and the Trump persona, 
I, I did on back when I had cable. I don't have it anymore. I used to watch C-SPAN. I, I'd flick it on. It would not be on a lot of the time. And it was uh, something of a pleasure to listen to Trump rallies. They would be on C-SPAN a lot. And uh, the ability, uh, his ability to connect with the audience was always something that really impressed me. And the hypocrisy of Washington elites, every so often you'll see a, a, th- a deep think piece that he, by the Washington elites saying, you know, oh, for the days of, of uh, Harry Truman, the, the, the plain spoken Harry Truman or, uh, on the whistle stop campaigns and, and, and Roosevelt's ability to connect with voters and, and, and go out and speak before television. They would speak to these large audiences and, and a lot of the presidents had could, could connect. They, they didn't go to Ivy League schools. They may have had real jobs. They may have had very uh, humble origins. And so you had a guy who came along and was not an elite and was despised by elites and really made a connection with uh, a lot of folks who felt that they had been overlooked by elites in America. And of course, did they give the guy any credit for that? No, they hated his guts and they they, they demonized him for five or six years. They're, they're demonizing him after the fact now. They'll be demonizing him when I'm on my deathbed and I'm 93 years old. Eddie, I'll be listening to a podcast or a radio or the television will be on and someone will be demonizing Donald Trump. So uh, it, it's quite a contract contrast and it really shows the hypocrisy of uh, of our elites when they when they talk about wanting those old style politics no they don't they're very comfortable with the way things mm. are it's been very good for them well let's not forget uh, peter schweitzer just recently uh wrote the book on this whole thing and i've got to read it and it has to do with our elites who have decided to go ahead and uh, sell out our country to china um at whatever price that they want right uh, we know that they already own biden we know that they're going to own the rest of this country uh, as it stands, given the leadership that they have exuded, they know that we're for sale. Heck, we sold our our figure skater. Our figure skater picked up and left uh, the United States she and did. went over to China, <laughs> and then she fell, failed, fell miserably. But you know, but she didn't compete for the United States. I mean, we're continuing to see more and more of uh, us being willing to sell out our own country uh, at this point. And it's it's a pretty sad state of affairs, to say the least. By the way, that figure skater that I'm speaking of, her name is Zhu Yi. She skated onto the ice uh, to cheers, fell twice during the women's short program uh, in Beijing, knocking the host country down from third to fifth place. That's how bad she did. And, um, you know, Dowd, what, didn't we have that tennis player? What happened to that tennis player? <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, world's number one. Uh, did she? This is exactly the type of moral uh, assertion we have. Zero at this point in the United States. This woman is nowhere to be found. She has disappeared for more than three months at this point. So we're missing our figure skater, who's on the Chinese team. We're missing the tennis player, who the world's number one, which who knows what's happened to her for speaking out against the Chinese government. Um, a lot of interesting things happening and a lot of injustice in the world and nobody to stand up for any of this stuff like Donald Trump would have uh, if he were still president. Yeah, Eddie, I'm not, you know, I'm not with MAGA world on a lot of that conservative nationalism stuff. But let me tell you, you're born in the United States. Uh, Your parents came to the United States. Uh, Your father was a computer professor at UCLA before he moved to back back to China. Um, You know, I am not one of these jingoistic national nationalists, but the fact that you would relinquish your citizenship to to go back to a country that you weren't born in i have no sympathy for this uh, troubled young woman and and you know it's it's one thing if you know say you know your father is american your mother's belgian uh, you, you you spent summers with your grandparents in belgium you know you could almost make a case for that 
but wanting to represent China, <laughs> a country that uh, not exactly uh, big on civil liberties and, uh, uh, and the Bill of Rights. Uh, this is a troubled young woman, and I have no sympathy for her uh, misfortune recently. Yeah, well, not like our tennis player. We don't know where she's at, but she'll surface, I'm uh, sure. Speaking of woke and going broke, New Mexico United is uh, uh, interesting date for their launch date on the third anniversary an anniversary of COVID-19, no less doubt. They have their home opener against the Las Vegas Lights FC. The tickets are now on sale uh, for those. I know you can save all those mo- all that money that you decided not to go to China for for the Olympics um, <laughs> and decided to go ahead and buy season tickets for Peter Travesiani's very woke New Mexico United, the home opener March 13th now. Well, I mean, you know, we know they love Black Lives Matter and we know that they had Pride Night, which I'm sure a lot of parents, uh, moderate or conservative leaning parents would love to have uh, people come out in drag queen outfits, you know, on the field and that sort of thing. So, uh, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go a whole nother season that he's skipping, uh, <laughs> skipping attending any of these. I think uh, I'm, I'm quite comfortable staying at home. Yeah, I am too. And uh, remember, the biggest loss that they uh, had in uh, 2021 had to do with the fact that their stadium got defeated. The biggest loss that they had for 20 and 2020 is they didn't have one person in attendance uh, for their entire season in back in 2020. So um, it's really <laughs> And if be... we played even even a tiny role in defeating mm. that vote, um, I don't know. You'll be Just, satisfied. Yeah, it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it hasn't taken away Peter Travesiani's fancy car that he has downtown at his uh, main office. But that very woke organization uh, seems to be back on their feet as of March 13th. No word yet on any restrictions or mask requirements in order to attend the game. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. Let's talk for a moment about, um, you know, Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump has been um, very excited about uh, Representatives Cheney and Kinzinger uh, being uh, censured, according to the release by the RNC. Former President Donald Trump on Saturday applauded the Republican Party's censure of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, saying the two renegade lawmakers had put themselves ahead of our country, they said. Congratulations to the Republican National Committee woman and its chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, and their great ruling in censuring Liz and Adam Cryan, Adam Kinzinger, two horrible rhinos who put themselves ahead of the country. They have almost no approval ratings. The Republican Party would be better off without them. It's a tremendous victory for true Republicans who were already subpoenaed by Pelosi's winch hunt, January 6th Select Committee, and a defeat for the traitor to our constitutional republic, Liz Cheney. Now, this woman is hated by practically every Republican at this point um, that's out there. And she, of course, is the daughter of a former uh, Department of Secretary of State, head of Halliburton, I don't know, uh, Dr. Evil himself, uh, Dick Cheney, if you will, had a chance to meet him in 1992's um, you know, Boys Nation, but uh, there it is. But on the flip side of this, and, you know, I was quoted this morning, um, basically, I guess, uh, Joe uh, Monahan has been listening to the program, Dowd, and he said on his blog that Eddie Aragon is no longer supporting Donald Trump. I just think that the negatives, yes, are too high. And if you look at the actual surveys of Donald Trump, despite the fact that he's getting behind the RNC, I don't know that a majority of the RNC is really going to get behind Donald Trump um in 2023 2024 especially when that is uh, more than a year and a half before we get started on that official election your thoughts yeah you know 
I curse I curse you, Eddie Aragon, for making me visit the Joe Monahan blog. But I I have to when a, a certain uh, broadcaster and radio station owner is, is mentioned. Uh, talk ABQ Radio talker dumps Trump. Uh, it, it, it's wonderful these these political gossip columnists like like uh, uh, Monahan or so. You know everything is binary with them. It's you know so and so is turned against or or been a traitor. Uh, I, I think a man can support. Donald Trump, his presidency, his candidacy, and then in 2024, think there might be a better candidate, and you're not dumping Trump. Uh, there you, you know, go. I, I mean, it, it's just—it's such a—it's such a simplistic, you know, purely political response to something that's perfect for a, a, a deeply flawed and underwhelming mind like Joe Monahan's. But uh, I also like he, he juxtaposes you with uh, another radio talker, KKOB, TJ, KKOB's TJ Trout. Uh, he's come out in favor of the Social Security tax repeal because we know TJ Trout is a real policy wonk. Uh, he, he favors that, but he also wants to eliminate the income tax. I mean, the income cap. Uh, on earnings of $147,000. I'm, I'm very sure that, uh, that T.J. Trout knows a lot about entitlement policy. Uh, and finally, I love the link. Uh, he links to you, Eddie, your name, Eddie Aragon. Oh, the, yeah, the, the worst possible picture he could find. Oh, oh of course. And it's, and it's a article about running for mayor. It's not mm -hmm. an article about the station Eddie owns and the program Eddie is on right. every weekday. Uh, everything is political when you're a political hack like uh, Monaghan. And uh, that's those are three strong reasons I don't read Joe Monaghan. And uh, I'm not interested in all the political gossip nonsense. Well, it's all he's full of it, uh, as usual. I think he's pretty upset by the fact that I told him that he needs to hang up his cleats because Joe Monaghan is no longer, I think, the senator for uh, politics or the home for New Mexico politics. Uh, he's a legend in his own mind, and that's about it. He's gotten a lot of things wrong, and his coverage is severely lacking, specifically on election nights, as we have seen over the last three or four elections uh, that he covers. So, uh, by the way, uh, Pence's former chief of staff, Trump's claims of overturning the election mirrored a response. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's why you saw a lot of people doing it. And you have yet to actually hear me talk much about it. But you've seen locally, Dowd, what's happened with the Republican Party. They're coming out in ostensible support for the uh, Republicans who casted their vote uh, for Donald Trump on December 14th uh, as part of the Electoral College instead of uh, casting it uh, for Joe Biden. I was interested to get your thoughts on that whole thing and uh, where you kind of, you know, saw that going in the future. You know, Eddie, I'll, I'll admit to it. You, 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 I don't think Sandia or Los Alamos has, has a big enough scanning electron microscope to discover my interest in that issue. Sure. Uh, it, it would have to be on a sub-molecular level. Uh, I'm actually interesting, working right. <laughs> interesting how they played it, though. Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, you, in fact, fact that... I have any. I, let, you need to inform me because I'm, I'm out of the loop, frankly. Well, here's the deal is you had two people, Anissa Ford-Tenen and a couple of other people who decided to go ahead and cast their ballot. Uh, on behalf of Donald Trump against it. And they have the attorney general looking into it at this point. Um, so they're looking for why didn't you cast your ballot along with everybody else in the state of New Mexico? Well, because they were actually looking for some of the uh, election uh, corruption that they ostensibly thought that they had actually found. But, you know, I, I have to say this, like at the time, December 14th, they probably should just kind of uh, decided to go ahead and go with uh, at that point. I mean, 
what? Are we really a Trump state? What what kind of point were they actually trying to make? Were they trying to suggest that you know the election was wrong? These are people who generally didn't back an actual Trump Republican in this in the mayor's race. These are people who actually didn't back me or any other Republicans in general, but they're going to die on the hill of casting an electoral ballot when it was pretty clear based upon the corrupt election that we had in the state of New Mexico that uh, definitely Donald Trump lost and lost by a landslide against Joe Biden uh, here in the state. Uh, is the AG, look? are they trying to spin this as some sort of like ahead of January 6th, like early part of the insurrection uh refusing to accept the results of the election i mean are, are they january 6 is not enough for them they want to go back to december 14th now or i think they have that sort of kind of um you know angle this whole entire thing but ryan botel you know covered this uh, whole thing and it says new mexico republicans are rallying around their electors who submitted a certificate that aimed to award the state's five electoral votes to donald trump instead of president joe biden but it goes on in in detail to talk about you know how the mouthpiece mike curtis for the republican party has decided to not respond and say that we stand by our original statement and that somehow maggie Toulouse oliver um was preventing them from you know um sort of having them cast their their, their ballot in the in the way that they wanted or they, the way that they thought it was okay so you know it there's a lot of gray area here um I can tell you that, you know, anybody who was casting their ballot based upon the results that we had should have been doing it for Joe Biden, unfortunately. That's just the, with the name of the game. Um, there just wasn't enough uh, sort of uh, moral um, leverage uh, or any sort of proof at the uh, ballot boxes. And I don't care how much election integrity they've done, that they could have made their point that, yeah, Donald Trump won the state of New Mexico. So I think okay. it was foolish for these leaders to go ahead and jump out in front and decide to cast their ballot on December 14th of 2020 and uh, say, hey, you know what, we're going to give it to Donald Trump. That just doesn't didn't work. And I don't think it's a it sets a good precedent going forward. Yeah. And, and let's never forget, folks, coming moving forward. Uh, because of the evil Republicans in red states, the laws that they have passed or are passing right now, the results of the 2022 midterms will not be legitimate. So, so we'll, we'll go from the greatest, uh, most legitimate election in history in 2020 and just two years later to a completely illegitimate election because of racist Republicans in red states. So I'm looking forward to the next <laughs> nine, 10 months of that story. And then, and then of course, the aftermath. Um, you know, I don't know. Did you get a chance to follow this uh, video down? Um, you know, I've read Española? all the coverage, but I haven't seen the video. It's pretty disturbing. You've got to watch the video. Okay. Um, and let me just, if, if you don't mind, just sort of take a, a quick uh, preview for tomorrow because uh, we'll, we'll get to Ben Ray in a second because this happened, you know, right in his backyard, Española, sure. you know, uh, you've got Powake and all that area, Los Alamos, that, that's there. But you've got to see this family from New York that's living in their trailer as they're getting their um, vehicle slash house repaired. And the state police, they're from Jamestown, New York. The state police literally invades their, their little house with children on the inside. And you would be absolutely embarrassed. It doesn't matter if it's the thugs that are on the street out of uniform or the thugs in the state police uniform. Um, I believe, Dowd, you will watch it repetitively and you will see it is one of the most egregious, uh, insolent, um, uh, sort of uh, heinous uh, uh, acts committed by our state police officers on any private citizen. And I know okay. you are where, where you stand on a lot of this stuff, but, you know, the mother um, who, who came out, 
her husband, who was physically assaulted, punched in the face two times. Yep, yep. Um, this family was completely and totally like asleep. And the mother wasn't even dressed. She's wrapping herself in a towel. And you should see these police officers. They know they effed up and they screwed up and they wouldn't give their names. They wouldn't talk about the incident. They wouldn't talk about anything because they knew down that they were completely and totally in the wrong. You've got to watch the video. It okay. is um, it is really, really sad. We'll, we'll talk more about it, I think, in depth tomorrow. But these law enforcement people from the state police went in there. Uh, practically guns blazing, and you should see the way that they spoke to those people inside that trailer when there was clearly like a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a five-year-old that were sleeping with guns drawn. Doubt those those kids are traumatized for the less, for the rest of their life now. Yeah, I mean, I've just read the the coverage. Uh, I've got to see the video, but the the one officer saying, "I don't care what you think," when the when the father mm -hmm. expresses his concerns. I mean, guys, he, he, I, listen, I I back the blue, especially at a time of rampant crime in this country. But boy, this looks very very bad, and it's well documented. It is. Um, it's fully documented. But one of the things that happens during the entire video is multiple police officers turn their cameras on and off. That's a very curious practice. If those state police officers are doing that. Well, can we really trust the police based upon our need for them to go ahead and, uh, you know, take video of that stuff? I mean, this is just a normal family. Uh, the the guy comes out in a uh, sort of religious uh, garb dress up because I guess he's a pastor or minister or a priest of some sort. But it is uh, nothing that you'll want to see uh, multiple times. An embarrassing black stain on the uh, Black Angels, as well as the state of New Mexico law enforcement uh, for the community, a terrible, and they have yet to this point, produced either a search warrant, and you know where you stand on that doubt in terms of mm. civil liberties, and uh, they have yet to actually offer an apology for the family. Are we looking at maybe an, a big cash payout to these folks eventually? Or I, I would think that that would be going that way. That was the first thing that I said. It was like, okay. boy, I'd never work for the rest of my life after the police officers decided to treat me and my family in that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess we have to cover Ben Ray Lujan. Um, <laughs> what what is we? wrong with what the hell is wrong with Vilka's house? There's something wrong with that guy. There's something in the water up there. You, you, like, you mean the uh, the you know is he the Lambe from Nambe? <laughs> you know the guy who's the uh, ass kisser. Uh, it's really funny because I'm reading this little piece in the Santa Fe, New Mexican from Philcus House. And it's talking about the little senator who could, I about lost it up to the first sentence down. I couldn't yeah, even get yeah, through this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's pretty clear that uh, Phil really loves Ben Ray Lujan down. Um, the, the references, the specific references about uh, the little senator who could, he's defied the long odds. Mm -hmm. Uh, he has more gravitas, apparently, and more electability than, than the other, the people he was competing against right. to replace Tom Udall. Uh, he cares so much about his community. He probably, uh, he was zooming in to talk to constituents when he could have been hanging out with the New York Times and the Beltway Glitterati. Uh, to I've lived in a couple of different parts of the country. The locals oftentimes t try to puff up their federal politicians. I don't know that I've ever seen uh, anything quite like 
this Eddie. Uh, they and, might be dating. Maybe uh, Phil and uh, Ben are dating. You, know, you think it's, it's a you know, any, it's, possibility? It's, it, it, it's good. I mean, no no recusal of the conflict of interest if, uh, if if that's the case. But I mean, to refer to him as the, as a policy wonk, his his gravitas, uh, defying long odds when you're when you have a a last name that is political royalty in this state. When uh, your father was what Speaker of the House at the at the state level, uh, there've been a lot of people named Luhan and and various claims about how how well related they are to each other. But it is a political dynasty name here uh, in New Mexico. I I don't know Eddie. This this man needs some counseling. And and again, this is the editor, ladies and gentlemen, of the paper, the daily newspaper in your state capital, Santa Fe. Uh, we, I've never seen an outpouring. Mo- Tom Monahan was writing about, oh, Ben Ray not being in off, you know, not being able to vote at this critical time for our nation. Uh, I trust me, the narrative people, no one in Washington is thinking about Ben Ray Luan. <laughs> maybe, maybe media, uh, uh, posterior smoochers are thinking about Ben Ray Luhan, but nobody in Washington's thinking about Ben Ray Luhan. Um, this is why we have the Rock of Talk, the Rock of Talk.chat, Rock of Talk.tv, ladies and gentlemen, because we don't do this; these kind of, uh, well, there are vulgar terms for it, but uh, oh, I, yeah, I'm going to hold back on my the terms I want to use. Well, but, Phil uh, and Ben must be dating as far as I'm concerned, not to mention the rest of the news media. Because uh, what we do uh, find very interesting are the adjectives that they use to describe a uh, senator who just had a stroke under the age of 50. Uh, he's being referred to as energetic. Doubt. Energetic. Ah, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. In the Viga. US That's what they said about the Kennedys. Viga. Viga. The Viga. <coughs> the healing process takes time, and he cannot vote on issues. He's about to change the whole thing. The U.S. Supreme Court justice that needs Ben Ray Lujan's vote according to Brian Sanderhoff. He says the nomination for a Supreme Court justice takes weeks. So if Lujan is healthy and can return work in four to six weeks, he will likely have a say in that. Let me tell you something that's not going to happen. Lujan will not be back within the next two months as far as I'm concerned. I don't see him making it back anytime soon. You don't have that type of cerebral um, uh, blockage that's there and then return anytime soon after you decide to go ahead and open up the brain uh, for for surgery. Um, no... Uh, at, at this point, no signs that he's going to be coming forth other than his chief of staff that he's expected to make a full recovery. Uh, I think this is just a lot of uh, bloviating and bluster. The process to replace Ben Lujan is as follows. Michelle Lujan Grisham will appoint someone temporarily in his absence, and that might need to happen sooner rather than later. And then immediately that person, I, I believe, is just going to go after a termed out attorney general um, uh, candidate in Hector Balderas. And then in the general is going to be, you know, Republican versus a Democrat against uh, quite possibly the most powerful politician in the entire state, Hector Baldera. So it's going to be an uphill battle all the way for any Republican to actually take it. But if Hector Baldera should run or get appointed uh, for that particular seat, uh, Hector Baldera will likely be senator for the next 24 to 30 years here in the state of New Mexico. You've always said, Eddie, that he's he's, he's got really good political instincts. and um, He's know. relatable for people. Plus, um, you know, he's somebody that uh, for every race that he's ever ran, he's just sort of kind of like the chosen boy, the one. Um, a lot of culture comes around him. He seems strong. Uh, he was able to ascend very quickly. He's picked by the political elite. You know, he's got the, the interesting uh, uh, background uh, from a family standpoint for all peccadillos that he might have. And I do know of, of them and what they are. 
Um, you're not going to see any of that kind of stuff really surface for a guy like Hector Balderas. He is sort of a made man, they say, in the Italians. Uh, you might remember Joe Pesci's character, um, you know, when he was in the, the middle of all that and he took yep. out the wrong guy. They 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 took him out instead of making him a made man. No, uh, Hector Balderas truly is made. He knows where all the bodies are buried. and He's been the attorney general, the highest law-breaking uh, a man in the land of the state of New Mexico for the last, you know, eight years. And most importantly, he's done absolutely nothing about Zorro Ranch, which I'm sure there are some powerful people who are very happy about that. <laughs> oh, there's uh, no doubt about it. All right, let's go to our top five from uh, brought to you uh, as only Dow can bring it to you directly at www.rockoftalk.chat. 20 cents a day. You can't go wrong. And uh, Dowd, what was the best uh and top five most clicked from the uh, from the Rock of Talk dot uh, chat blast. Yeah, from the Daily Blast, awaiting your inbox, ladies and gentlemen. If you, if you sign up at rockettalk.chat, number one, this does my heart so good. U.S.-born Olympic figure skater skating for China botches her performance. Mm. We have good people on our email distribution list. Uh, number two, the love fest between Manchin and Murkowski. Don't get me started. Uh, number three, the Rock. He was, you know, Mr. Free Speech. And now he's backtracking his support for Joe Rogan. Uh, I forgot friends. about that. I forgot about the Rock. With friends Rock. like the Rock, you don't need enemies. Apparently, a lot of people want him to become president. I, I'm oh. sure he'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll be really jealously guarding our liberties at, when Dwayne Johnson is is president of the United States. Uh, number four, there are cops in Canada calling the Freedom Convoy a quote nationwide insurrection uh, apparently people are on their best behavior everyone's getting along but it's some type of insurrection i guess we've defined that term down a little bit ladies and gentlemen and really fast i don't look at cnn very often but this was a really interesting link on cnn uh youtubers and bloggers and podcasters are turning their attention to cold cases and finding bodies in america that the police have given up searching for i love it love it love it when private wow. citizens and companies step up when government falls down on the job. And that's why I included this story. And I'm glad to see people clicking on it at uh, number five. Uh, you can sign up yourself, ladies and gentlemen, rockoftalk.chat. All right. Thanks, Dow. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. See you bright and early tomorrow on a Tuesday right here on the Kiva AM 600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com.